time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jaja, call me, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey! This is escape? Then where the pod? Here's the Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we have our co-host, Blake, in the Escape Pod today to chat all about Darth Maul and uh, what happened. So uh, I'll explain that in just a bit, but uh, just a quick reminder, if you guys haven't subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button. It's free, and uh, we don't ask for any help other than sharing this show with a friend and leaving nice reviews. Uh, so uh, that would be fantastic if you'd be able to do that really quickly. I just want to say that at the very start. Uh, but uh, let's get into Darth Maul here, an amazing character. We got lots to chat about, lots to cover. So uh, let's get right into it. That and the Darksaber, of course. Another happy landing. All right, we got Blake in the escape pod. Welcome back. Hello there. Hello there. Uh, so we have our What Happened series, which is a sub-series on the podcast dedicated to really just talking about very specific characters, the events that transpired through their story and uh, how it interweaves into the Skywalker saga. And we're going to be going through all the formats that they've been inside. So uh, this th today we're going to be starting uh, chronologically, of course, with uh, the Darth Maul Marvel comic miniseries. And we're going to be working our way up from there through Age of Republic, which is another Marvel comic that Darth Maul popped up in. Then uh, moving on to the Phantom Menace. And then, of course, uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars. And then the uh, the canceled period where Star Wars The Clone Wars was happening and we do the Dark Disciple comic book, which is adapted Clone Wars episodes. Then we're going to be doing more Clone Wars and uh, moving up to Solo and then Star Wars Rebels. So uh, a lot of a lot of stuff to cover today. And uh, of course, this is a very iconic villain, a very iconic character in general for uh, the Phantom Menace. I mean, uh, there's nothing else like him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when they first started showing all the advertisements for the Phantom Menace, they revealed Darth Maul and he basically just looks like Satan. Like, all these kids right. look at it. He looks like the devil. So, yeah. you find, oh, we're, we're going to see more Sith outside of Sidious and Vader, and the first guy you see just looks like, well, the devil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, I um, I, I I was I, I remember what 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 Dave Filoni has said about about Darth Maul, and and he said very specifically, he's like, look at Darth Maul. He's he's designed to look evil. Like he's it's like oh, the yeah. whole aesthetic of the character, the whole Everything. aesthetic of a, the eyes, of a, the spikes, yeah. the tattoos. Yeah, and and Zabrix weren't weren't a, a thing. I don't think before the Phantom Menace came. No, out. Darth Maul was the first one that we ever saw, and there was a lot of weird fan theories about that. I think too, thinking that maybe he was a creation of the Sith because he looks so evil. Right, right. Yeah, there was uh, 
you know, I, I, I remember very few of those of those earlier fan theories, aside from some of the ones that surrounded uh, Revenge of the Sith. But but yeah, I, I can imagine, especially after reading our vintage article, you know, the 1980s Clone Wars article that was that was written by uh, by a guy in 1980 uh, speculating on on the next film and and the, the films that came before it. Uh, which was a very interesting thing to go through. But, uh, you know, it always, it made me think, I said, like, after people saw the Phantom Menace trailer, kind of like, what what did people actually, how did, how did people respond to that character and, like, that visual aesthetic? And um, obviously it drove people to the theaters in, 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 troves and in, in, oh, you know, man. People were so numbers. excited. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like and the first Star Wars think, movie in, in 20 years almost or so. Like, almost, and let's, almost 20 years. Let's not forget, Darth Maul... Was, was the first person ever to be revealed with a double-bladed lightsaber. And yeah, people went nuts. Yeah, yeah, Just that too. Just nuts for that. And and that's something I think that some, obviously, I think some, uh, some fans probably fantasized about way back when, you know, before Phantom Menace came out. It's like, oh, what if, you know, there was a, a double-bladed lightsaber? Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like probably the I'm best thing I'm starting to think, was that, was that a thing? I feel like... It wasn't until Darth Maul where coming up with different versions of lightsabers was really a thing. Yeah. Prior to I, that, I feel like it was just swords. Right, right. Well, very similar to uh, Mace Windu, you know, Samuel Jackson requesting his purple lightsaber. Like, and George yeah. saying to him, like, well, uh, lightsabers are green or lightsabers are blue. That's <laughs> <It's, laughs> so I, I get think of that story. You know, there's always a first. There's always a first for anything. And so, you know, and Kylo Ren Once comes along. Once that door's open, right? Right, right. And, and, and Kylo Ren comes along and, and does the, does the, the cross we get guard. the cross guard saber. Yeah. And now we get that in, in Star Wars Rebels. Now we're getting it in, uh, well, we're getting a similar looking design of many of the hilts in the High Republic era, except they're not cross blades. They're just like the hilt themselves has got the cross, cross beam to it. But, right. uh, but you know, it's inspiration that kind of goes and trickles I, down the story right remember because i know force pikes were a thing for a long time which we briefly talked about i think in the, the high, high republic episode there was yeah so there was a mention of a ancient sith weapon called the light spear which i yeah. i don't i don't know if it's the same as a of, of as a light pike or or if it is the same thing and i think it just might be a, a rebrand of the same thing a force it pike could. was the eu version of a long stick with a little lightsaber at the end. And right. but the reason why I bring it up is I'm not sure if stuff like that existed before Darth Maul or after. Mm. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Um, many of that expanded universe material did come out after the prequels were were starting to, to, to come out, right? Yeah, and reinvigorate uh, the whole franchise. It, yeah, because now there was this visual aesthetic to Coruscant and and the Jedi Temple and and all that stuff and and so the prequels really you know they did a lot of world building in the sense of giving you a picture of Star Wars that hadn't really been seen before um and as well as this uh this whole new kind of perspective on on lightsaber combat because we'd never seen any vicious fighting oh man the way that Maul fights the right? speed difference right yeah yeah it's I, it's it's crazy I bet Mark Hamill was in the theater watching that, and in, when they get to the, the the fight scenes, the lightsabers, he probably turned to George and was like, "Why couldn't I do that?" 
Because I know they had conversations on set where Mark Hamill was talking about. He started swinging around a little faster. Like, hey, George, can I do this? And then George is like, no, lightsabers are really heavy. You can't do that. They're going real slow. Yeah, he really wanted it to be samurai style fighting. You know, like, the first, yeah. first time they just, he described it was like heavy two-handed Scottish claymores. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And, 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 uh, you know, his inspiration coming from a lot of the Japanese films where sword fighting, I mean, swords in general are always heavy. Like, you know, it's, you can get really well-crafted lighter swords, but in general, it's like, it's still a, uh, a beam of metal. <laughs> yeah. So whereas a light, a lightsaber, I don't think the blade, at least conceptually nowadays isn't supposed to weigh anything it's just no it's supposed to be just energy it. yeah but that I mean, wasn't electricity the doesn't wear doesn't weigh anything right right yeah um so this whole idea of what happened which you know we we've got a few names on the list to kind of get through uh going forward you know here and there as we kind of get to them sort of thing but uh it, it came up as an idea after a friend of mine who who is also a listener of, of the show uh said to me is like why don't you do, do an episode about uh about like i think it was darth maul and the dark saber and and uh you know just talk about talk about that and i was like that's a good idea like and and then and then this is where the idea started turning for like oh well there's also all these mandalorian characters that now we've seen in multiple forms of media yep wouldn't it be cool to do like a series in the show that's kind of dedicated to talking talking about these characters that have popped up through you know Clone Wars and Rebels and then later in Mandalorian and, and it all connects many, together, yeah. Right. And and many people haven't seen those those shows even though yeah, they've been out that's for exactly it. I a think long there, time. Yeah, there there is definitely something to be told there that a lot of people would like to hear. I think because yeah. they watch the Mandalorian and then they see these characters show up and they may think they're new and have no idea what these backstories are of these characters. And there's right. so much media yeah. and story that they're just missing out on. I mean, yeah. not everyone's seen the Clone Wars and that it may have been the first time they ever met Ahsoka Tano was in the Mandalorian season two. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's true. I mean, it, it's possible that uh, perhaps even to, to, to many fans who, um, have been familiar with the character that they've never even seen her on screen. They've only seen like photographs and stuff as well. Right. So, uh, or, or a character like Bogatan, who's even more of a minor character than Ahsoka is in the show. Like they, they might not even they're like, Oh, who's this? Right. Uh, so it's, and, and, you know, my first kind of recommendation to anyone out there listening to this particular episode, as well as, uh, any of our future what happened episodes is uh, is obviously just to go and watch those shows for yourself at some point. You know, it's 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 never it's never the same listening to somebody else chat about a Star Wars story and in, in uh, you know and and filling you in on the gaps other than watching yourself. But and um, Darth Maul is a good place to start because I went and rewatched all the Darth Maul episodes, uh, excluding Phantom Menace, because I feel pretty comfortable with that. And there's right. Not actually that much. There's right. like right. five episodes of the Clone Wars and then three episodes of Rebels and you're pretty much done. Yeah. And, and you know, if, if, if you're in the mood for, for only watching 
you know, that particular content with that particular character, you know, there's ways to find out which, which episodes they pop up in. So you can kind of keep track of yourself, like where this character came from. Uh, obviously in the sense of the context of the whole show, you know, watching Clone Wars beginning to end is, is an experience unlike anything else. It's, it's a seven season Star Wars show, uh, which is the biggest Star Wars show that fills we have. in a lot of blanks and it fills in a lot of blanks mm-hmm. with many, many characters. And, and, uh, to this day remains one of my favorite parts of Star Wars in general. Um, and then there's of course, if Rebels you watch and- the Clone Wars beginning to end, you will never see the prequel movies the same. It will be much better. Yeah. I don't know anyone who will say they're worse watching that. It just improves the story a hundredfold. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, and to anyone listening, if you, if you're curious about going through it chronologically, which is, uh, the, the recommended way to do it, cause the episodes do jump around a lot. Uh, but there is a particular order to watch it. Uh, go back and scroll through our episode library to Clone Wars talk part one. And, uh, there's 40 episodes that you can go through and, uh, escape pod will just help keep you on track and and it's like an after show style thing where we uh myself and a co-host diego we we just talk about episode arcs at a time uh through the length of the entire show from season one to season seven including all the unproduced episodes after disney canceled the program for a short while so uh definitely worth looking into if you haven't watched listen to that series yet uh, but yeah, Darth Maul, like you were saying, it's a perfect character to start with because uh, he, first of all, isn't in that many things. You know, his appearance in The Phantom Menace is brief. His appearance in Solo is brief. His appearance in the, in the Clone Wars, there's few episodes. And in Rebels, there's even less. So, uh, you know, it's it's very... That surprised uh, me so much. It's, yeah. and, and but I he's mean, such Utalia, an important character and he does Utalia, a lot. Yes. And, and you tally all this stuff up. And uh, it does make uh, a reasonable story arc of some kind, um, you know, and, and when I think about it, it's like, yes, Anakin is in all the movies, uh, but oh, wait, he's not like he's in six of now nine episodes and and half of it. He's a villain, which is not the main character, uh, even though the yeah. stories, according to George, about him. So like again like it's like it's like in my head i'm like oh well maybe maybe maul actually had more time in general than uh than i thought and and of course now we have these comic books that we're also going to be starting with which kind of tell a story of maul before the phantom menace begins and his his uh time in hiding and uh so we're gonna start with that but um uh, yeah. So, in uh, you know, in, in a nutshell, I mean, we'll, we'll go through this beginning to end and, and just talk about the character uh, for for a little while. So uh, we start off with uh, the Marvel Star Wars Darth Maul miniseries, which uh, I think was about four issues long. You can get it in a trade paperback, but uh, there's a couple bullet points I had about this one. But just in general, like, did you read did you read that one, the miniseries? I did, yep. I read through it. Yeah, how would you like it? It, it's, it takes place maybe like, uh, I don't know, if you were to ballpark it, how, how much time before Phantom Menace? Hmm, I feel like it couldn't have been that much before Phantom Menace. I'd say maybe a year or two at the most, to be honest. I'm not sure how long Darth Maul was apprenticed for. I guess since he was a boy. And we meet Darth Maul in phantom menace and he's he seems like he'd be in his mid-20s right 
Yeah, yeah, because I think I think that's how old Ray Park was when when they shot the movie. So it's, po- it's possible it's around there. But yeah, so I would uh, say in this comic series, well, maybe just based on the story, he'd probably be seventeen, like like early twenties, like like twenty yeah, ish, like almost exactly 20s, yeah. twenty. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I'd say between like one and five years before. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's probably the best. Yeah, because th- it's this miniseries and then there's a, a single issue that follows this miniseries in, in another comic after. But uh, the primary kind of goal uh, or the way that they start off this comic is, is, is pretty interesting because Maul's growing very restless as, as Palpatine's yep. plan is kind of slowly clicking into place. And uh, he's unwilling to wait much longer for for revealing himself to the Jedi, right? Like that's something that in the Phantom Menace yeah, he's very adamant about. He wants vengeance, right? Yeah, he wants vengeance, and that's actually he's, something he's been trained. Yeah, he's been trained and built for his only goal is to get revenge on the Jedi, and he just feels that Palpatine is holding him back to from him achieving. He thinks he's ready to go yeah. and fight the Jedi and start slaughtering them. But Palpatine's just holding them back from his goal. Right. Yeah. And uh, and so he fills his time hunting Wrath Tars and uh, for for entertainment. Sport. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sport. And and, and I love how, how they refer to it in the comic book. They, they he refers to it as a hollow meal. Yeah. <laughs> it just <laughs> yeah, it doesn't satisfy him, doesn't quench the taste. Right. Doesn't quench the taste, yeah. Uh, but you know, shortly after that, he goes to um, his Palpatine sends him on a mission to go liberate one of their allies in the Trade Federation from some pirates that are like attacking one of their space stations or whatever. And uh, he ends up finding out that there's an auction being held on Nar Shadda or somewhere close to there. Uh, that a uh, or a Jedi or is like yeah, some space station out in outer outer rim somewhere and mm-hmm. uh, the jedi's yeah, name yeah, is some private El- space station yeah and and the Je- the jedi's name is eldra kaitus or something and uh it, it's a, she's a jedi padawan a twi'lek at being held uh, and she's twi'lek, gonna be yeah. yeah she's held in slavery right now in captivity and she's gonna be auctioned off so he and she does have a lot of attitude yeah, yeah, and, and very snippy. Uh, kind of reminded me of of Ahsoka <laughs> very in a sense. Ahsoka, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got so, that too. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is the uh, ending of Ahsoka that so many fans wanted in season one and two of the Clone Wars. <laughs> oh man, can you imagine? Um, yeah, he sees it as an opportunity to kill a Jedi, basically, right? So he goes to. Narshada, I guess, to uncover some information about this whole thing. And uh, two very interesting characters show up. Uh, we had Cad Bane show up and we had Aura Singh yep. and uh, another little... Yeah, those two are of, inseparable. Yeah, and another two weasel character thing, a mosquito character that like sucking blood out of Yeah, that was so strange. Yeah, just like First, collecting corpses and sucking them dry. Right, um... And I, I was trying to That's remember. That's going to be a race now. Do you do you remember if there was a there was some sort of bug creature in the cantina in episode four? It kind of reminded me that there's bugs out there, like bug aliens. Yep. Uh, well, there's so. also the ant that we meet in the Mandalorian, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The ant. So, yeah. I there's, think there's bug creatures in J.J. Abrams' cantina as well. Oh yeah. 
That's true. And Mars Canada's uh, castle. Yeah, her castle. I love how you call it JJ's cantina. <laughs> well, that's what it is. It was just a rehash of the cantina. <laughs> that's actually a pretty good name for a cantina. JJ's cantina. <laughs> JJ's cantina. <laughs> you heard of JJ's cantina? Nah, I'm over at Dex's diner. <laughs> <laughs> it's like across they got the much better burgers. They, they got blue milk. <laughs> JJ's only has the green stuff. But. <laughs> you want a uh, Jawa juice? You want a cup of Jawa juice? <laughs> so good. <laughs> what is Jawa juice? Like, <laughs> I don't know. How many people Disgusting. even know what Jawas are? That's How what I want to know. I thought, well, I guess now we know they're not isolated to Tatooine. But at the time, oh, yeah. we thought yeah. it was just this. Right. Yeah, Jawas are like this obscure race from Tatooine that most people have never heard of. Right. And and yeah, that's that's actually a good point. I never thought of that before because of course most of it's from Oh the man, that's why it's always your... bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> for years. <laughs> for years. Anyway. Mandalorians finally fixed that for you. Hey? Yeah, they did a little bit. Look at that. Dave Filoni fixing everything. <laughs> Off world Jawas, yeah. Um, so what's interesting about this area of the comic book is uh, at one point Maul is meditating or something and they, he has uh, a vision of uh, him on Malachor with Palpatine. And what I loved about the uh, about this vision that he had, it's it's actually a memory and it's him as a young boy yeah. uh, being taken on a basically a field trip or, or something to to Malachor. Uh, which uh, is a, a Sith, a <laughs> Sith, Sith world, trip. a Sith field trip. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll have a, a, a Sith day out. <laughs> uh, and he right. has this deceptive vision uh, of these of these Jedi, uh, which the, of the big battle that happened there, Malachor, which is talked about in Star Wars Rebels. And uh, uh, he yes. inhales mm-hmm. some of the ashes from the dead victims of this well, war. Well, not intentionally. Yeah, Palpatine kind of tricks him and like yeah. sucks yeah, he, them he, into his body. Yeah, right. Yeah, he goes and says, "Breathe, breathe in the ash" or something like that. And uh, he he basically yeah. convinces he like young inhales Maul. an entire human. <laughs> yeah, and, and and he basically convinces young Maul that the Jedi murdered the Sith, and and Maul puts it in these words: he sees he he feels every pain every cut and every death of thousands of sith like by breathing in these ashes like he experiences pain unlike anything else and then the revenge of the sith uh becomes maul's personal quest for revenge himself so that's why he's always saying he actually i will have my revenge the death yeah he lives through all the deaths of like all the all the guys right all the different Sith that he inhaled, yeah. Like yeah. The, uh, he lived through their actual final moments as they were slain by Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Dying and over so and over again. I really love this moment because because uh, to me it painted this picture of like this is why Maul feels so vengeful towards the Jedi. And, and in The Phantom Menace, before he's even uh, like really done much, he says, at yeah. last we will have our revenge. And I'm like, dude, yeah. what are you talking last about, man? We'll like, reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we'll have our revenge. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, for, for a long time, I've always wondered, like, what did the Jedi do to you? Like, uh, maybe they did it to yeah. Sith a thousand years ago, but like, that's a thousand years ago. That's a long time. Like, I mean, if you think about a thousand years ago I in the real just world. Assumed, it's a long time. Yeah, I always like, just assumed that 
it is a long time ago, but yeah. I always thought the Sith were kind of a cult. So they indoctrinate you as a child and they would just kind of warp your mind to brainwash you to believe this. What I always thought, but now we're, now we're learning that it is actually personal for Maul because he's, the Sith yeah. that were slain by these Jedi are now a part of him. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of where this this whole comic book becomes very intriguing to me because now it reveals his whole vengeful state of mind sort of thing. But uh, Maul and the gangs, uh, they, they basically, after a, a whole auction scene, they snake the Padawan from the winning bidder. And uh, he uh, in the ship, he actually uh, repeats uh, a little rhyme when he's, he comes face to face with this Jedi Padawan. And he he, he recites a rhyme called uh, it's uh, I don't know what it's called exactly, but it goes far above, far above. We don't know where we'll fall far above, far above. What once was great is rendered small. This is like a little line. I think uh, it's a little far poem. above, far below. Um. Well, I just copied this off the web, so yeah, maybe I don't know. Uh, but okay. he uh, he repeats <laughs> this in front of the Jedi, and uh, and and basically, um, this is the same. This is the same poem that he actually reads out by memory when he's losing his mind in the Clone Wars, uh, when when Savage Press comes face to face with oh, him that's on that so cool. junk world. Yeah, yeah, and this is the I didn't same, even pick up on that. Yeah, yeah, it's the same set of words that he's start, he's going crazy, right? And and so he's starting to uh, go to the very depths of his mind, uh, trying to find his identity, I guess. And this poem somehow exists down there. And and he he says it when he's yeah. face to face with this Jedi Padawan. It's like a and so, root. yeah. And I I was always wondering like because because he's finally face to face with this Padawan. Like this means so much to him. That like this is like his vengeful moment. He's taking her to a place where they can duel it out. He's saving her, you know, not killing her right away, kind of yeah. thing, so that they can duel in privacy. He can have his it's, moment. It's right? Saving her from these bounty hunters so he can kill her. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Cad Bane and, and Aura Singh kind of help him with this this goal, uh, and uh, their their ship as they're flying away uh, turns out to be a, a, a sabotaged ship, and they crash on a moon called Drazkel, uh, and and then uh, people buy in three hundred fifty thousand credits to hunt the crashed ship and the the padawan that supposedly might be alive on it so this this person who's uh in charge of the auction and now this sabotage ship and all that uh, she's just raking it in and you know this corrupt person just making tons of money millions of credits oh yeah uh, i mean she already yeah. got paid for selling jedi and now she can get paid again for letting them try to hunt it so <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, it's kind of a what do you, what do you call double dipping? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. But what I don't get is the bounty hunters. Why don't they just say no and then fly their ship down there anyway? What's she gonna do? <laughs> right. I was thinking about that too when I was reading. I was like, what's what's stopping them all from just doing like I going to kill her anyway? Like, why do they're you have to pay? scum and villainy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so at some point uh in the in the comic maul and katus uh kytus face off and it's an interesting duel and and it's acknowledged that she is on the verge of becoming a knight like if she passed this this, yes if she passed her trial she would be 
uh, a Jedi Knight. So she's very uh, a very capable Knighted, fighter. Yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, what, and what you I'm think glad that it? they made it like that because they had kind of let it up. Kept talking about her being a Padawan, her being a Padawan over and over again, which yeah. made me think be fighting some younglings that just left you know yoda's teachings they're all learning about where all the planets are yeah yeah I, well that's just i was yeah and i was about to ask you that too just like what do you think of the fight and um but yeah i'm glad you put it that way because it is it is something that came up when i was thinking like oh of course he's going to be excited to kill a jedi of any age whatsoever but it's yeah. it's revealed later that no he like wants to savor the moment like he wants to actually have a good fight and and win kind of thing right like not just kill a yeah. person like with you know stab them through the back like he actually just wants, for the sake of it yeah yeah he wants the challenge the yeah he wants the challenge yeah he wants to prove himself so to himself it, yeah. you know because he, he's, so, he's doing this thinking that palpatine doesn't know about it because he's he's been forbid mm-hmm. to to face any jedi yet and, yeah. and all that stuff and that's uh, crossing his mind the whole way through where he's thinking he's got to keep this a secret from from his master from palpatine but he's worried that palpatine's gonna find out that he disobeyed him yeah exactly uh so maul wins <laughs> maul wins the fight and uh takes, shocking i know <laughs> yeah yeah it's shocking um takes revenge on the auctioneer i, I love how he uh, he gets bane and orasing to uh, fly him back up to the space station thing and uh, and just so he can kill the auctioneer person and she knows what he is like before she dies she actually yeah, mutters the word sith yeah which is very surprising um and palpatine Especially actually at this point in the galaxy they Sith haven't been around for a thousand years, so that's very surprising. Yeah, yeah. So it makes you wonder. It's like, oh, she had a sense of knowledge of as to like all this stuff, and and maybe maybe uh, I don't know. It, it just I like a good mysterious character, and and the fact mm-hmm. that she actually knows what the Sith are, whereas many other people mistake a Sith for a Jedi. It's a Jedi. Uh, it's yeah. very and uncommon. It Maul off every time. It does. It does. Yeah. And, and, um, it makes so mad. <laughs> and, and they do the same in, in the Clone Wars multiple times with some of the characters like, uh, Savage Oppress when, when Obi-Wan and, Ant, or maybe it's Anakin or something is hunting down Maul and Savage Oppress. They're asking somebody about, about them and they're like, oh, yeah, it was just some Jedi swinging a red lightsaber around, you know, and people just don't care. Like, people just know yeah. the Jedi and that's it. Like, they don't know about the the rule yeah. two or the Sith or whatever. Um, yeah, it's too obscure. Only the really the Jedi know about it. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 Palpatine. It does make it odd for this woman, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, Palpatine planned for his deception. And allowed him knowledge of the uh, the auction to test him and all that stuff and uh, and it, you know by the end of the comic you realize that Maul's bloodlust is is still not satisfied. Uh, yeah. So that was that was more, kind of the first. Blood. Yeah, more, he wants more blood. That, that was kind of the first chunk. But I'm just curious, like, what did you think of the comic overall? Like, because you, you haven't read too many of them, have you? Too many of the Marvel comics. Not a lot of comics, no. Uh, oddly enough, the only real comic I've read all the way through before this one, I think, was Son of Dathomir several years ago. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah was, I think I read that good. at your place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, 
um so did you like i this did one, enjoy it yeah it, it was yeah. it was actually shorter than i expected but i thought it was really good it was a good solid backstory to maul it actually filled in some of the blanks because yeah. before that the first time we see him is the phantom menace and he just sort sort of appears out of the shadows behind palpatine and he says i'm gonna send my apprentice right 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 so it's good to have a little extra detail and as we talked about earlier the whole sith ash thing re-inhaled was i thought was super cool i like i thought that was great yeah i i love how twisted it is you yeah know, like, it is it's very sith like to to inhale the ashes of of your enemy i guess and and get a vision out of it so uh, we had the the next Marvel comic on on the list, which is a single issue from the Age of the Republic or Age of Republic series, um, and uh, this is combined in the the hardcover format as well as available as a single issue, and it's also in the trade paperback format for the uh, uh, the secluded villains only uh, single issues from the Age of the Republic series. So it's widely available pretty easy to, to, to find. Um, but yeah, what'd you think of this one? I'm not sure I read this one, to be honest. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so it's, it's a single issue. It was very short. Uh, Maul is anxiously awaiting for the Sith to reveal themselves again, still. Uh, and he's thriving in the underworld of Coruscant, still. And uh, I was, I would assume it doesn't take too much longer after the the first series that we just went through, uh, the miniseries. Uh, so this is kind of yeah. like the cap on top sort of thing. So it, it, it follows directly the events of where we left off. And uh, he's basically now hunting for sport uh, for sensitive scum and villainy. Like uh, he's he's uh, he's hunting for sensitive smugglers and and uh, yeah. any 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 for sensitive. This kind of sounds person. like. He's just gotten bored and just wants to occupy his time finding something of a challenge while he waits right. for Palpatine to finally, finally release him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and uh, and Palpatine, he actually in this comic references the Padawan that Maul killed in the in the previous series. And uh, I thought that was really interesting because because, of course, that's how the, ser- the first series ends. It's like Palpatine reveals like that was his plan all along was that he planned yep. the deception allowed him to have the knowledge of of yep. the, of the auction the in the first place Padawan was there mm-hmm. yeah you knew about all that stuff and knew that maul would go after her so so he decided to let maul have that little victory of his and and in the meantime this comic was just reassuring all of us as readers of of star wars comics maul is still just biding his time waiting for Palpatine's big plan to to come out. So that was all it was. Yeah. Like it was just one but issue. I mean, he kills a guy. That was it. This feels a little unnecessary with this description. <laughs> like, what else is he going to do? Retire before the Phantom Menace? Like- right. Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> we all know what's coming, right? So it's it's there's not too much, I guess, that you could do. But um, so yeah. we finally reached the Phantom Menace now, a movie that we've all seen a lot. A Phantom uh, Menace. Yes, and I don't need to uh, fully, fully recap to you exactly what what this movie is about, but uh, just for the heck of it, I've got three bullet points. So the Sith reveal themselves finally to uh, the tr- well, they've revealed themselves to the Trade Federation, 
and they've uh, formed an alliance there. And uh, they begin a blockade and an invasion of Naboo. And Maul is tasked to capture the queen and force her to sign a treaty that will make the, inv- the, the invasion legal. Um, so he tracks Amidala to Tatooine, where he fights uh, Qui-Gon in the desert, which is finally kind of when he first reveals to the Jedi that the Sith are actually a thing. Qui-Gon goes back to the Jedi Temple and says, yeah. I, th- this is what I encountered. You yeah, know, it's possible Sith. the Sith have returned. And that's yeah, when we had that conversation. It was like, Sith very, been very for skeptical. Years. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, especially exactly. Mace Windu. And, you know, they're all, uh, Kiadi Mundi. It's like, uh, the, the, the Sith have been extinct for uh, millennia, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. And, um, yeah, no one believes them, right? They're very skeptical. Yeah. No one believes them. Um, and, and then, uh, they, the Queen decides to go back to Naboo to support her people because they're doing terribly over there. So Maul, once again, tracks them to Naboo where he fights Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon in the duel of the fates and kills Qui-Gon Jinn and loses his legs to Obi-Wan, falls down a big long shaft. And that is the end of Maul in that movie. And up until the last couple of years, uh, actually up until the Clone Wars many years ago, uh, we thought that was the end of it. But um, that was it. Yeah. And honestly, it's pretty unsatisfying just in the movie like that's what we we're originally left with until clone wars and not even beginning clones i think it's season five or something they finally reveal him or like end of season three season or three. something season three uh, yeah, yeah uh end of season three yeah yeah uh, yeah which- so that's a long time where darth maul had just guy just showed up he looks like satan he has next to no lines and then he kills qui-gon and then just vanishes just killed and never hear him again gives a uh, a stand-up fight and and that was it <laughs> yeah and i have to say uh the improvement from what we saw in the comic to him killing qui-gon was a very substantial improvement because he almost lost to that padawan right yeah um and uh you know what's what's significant about about that um that fight and the reason why it's called the duel of fates is this just this insane kind of explanation that dave filoni gave in uh in the mandalorian gallery did you did you uh check that out at any point referring to him from the phantom menace uh yeah so dave filoni had like an explanation uh, as to why duel of fates is called duel of fates uh, so I actually, oh, yeah, I have, yeah, I heard this a, a while back, but I haven't heard it recently, but I do remember this. It's uh, the fate of Anakin Skywalker. Yes. Yeah. So, so Maul has a little, a little to do with that, but, um, I figured we would just listen to, or I guess listen slash watch what Dave said in that, uh, in that thing. And, sure. uh, I'll, I'll also play it on the show here, but yeah, let's just take a brief listen to this thing. Cause I, I think it's one of the best conversations uh, to be had about the Phantom Menace in general. The prequels, I thought, were almost an impossible task. How do you tell the story that we've all grown up with imagining who Anakin Skywalker was? You saw so many things in Phantom Menace that you just imagined, like the Jedi Council, and none of it really was what I had expected. But I know now that that's just like how creative George is. Like He just sees it differently, and he's laying it down. And I love the lightsaber fight with Darth Maul, not because it's a lightsaber fight, but because George is so good at crafting why that fight's important mm. every time. 
Like, you know, the Obi-Wan Darth Vader fight isn't like the most wonderfully staged necessarily combat that you're ever gonna see, but there's so much at stake. It's so meaningful when Obi-Wan dies that we all feel like Luke. In Phantom Menace, you're watching these two Jedi in their prime fight this evil villain. Maul couldn't be more obviously the villain. He's designed to look evil, and he is evil, and he just expresses that from his face all the way out through the type of lights every fights with. What's at stake is really how Anakin's gonna turn out, because Qui-Gon is different than the rest of the Jedi, and you get that in the movie, and Qui-Gon is fighting because he knows he's the father that Anakin needs, because Qui-Gon hasn't given up on the fact that Jedi are supposed to actually care and, and love, and that that's not a bad thing. The rest of the Jedi are so detached and they've become so political that they've really lost their way. Mm -hmm. And Yoda starts to see that in the second film. But Qui-Gon is ahead of them all. And that's why he's not part of the council. So he's fighting for Anakin. And that's why it's the duel of the fates. It's the fate of this child. And depending on how this fight goes, Anakin is gonna, his life's gonna be dramatically different. So Qui-Gon loses, of course. So the father figure, because he knew what it meant to take this kid away from his mother when he had an attachment, and he's left with Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan trains Anakin at first out of a promise he makes to Qui-Gon, not because he cares about him. When they get Anakin, when they find him on Tatooine, he says, why do I feel like we've found another useless life form? He's comparing Anakin to Jar Jar. Excuse me. And he's saying, this is a waste of our time. Why are we doing this? Why do you see importance in these creatures like Jar Jar Binks and this 10-year-old boy? This is useless. So he's a brother to Anakin eventually, but he's not a father figure. Mm. That's, that's a failing for Anakin. He doesn't have the, the family that he needs. He loses his mother in the next film. He fails on this promise that he made, mother, I will come back and save you. So he's left completely vulnerable. And Star Wars ultimately is about family. So that moment in that movie, which a lot of people I think diminish into just all oh, just a cool lightsaber fight, but it's it's everything that the entire three films of the prequels hangs on, is that one particular fight. And Maul serves his purpose, and at that point died before George may bring him back, but he died. And that's showing you again how the Emperor is completely self-serving. He doesn't care, he's just a tool and he's using people, and now he's gonna use this child. That follows all the way through to the line which terrified me as a kid when the Emperor tells Luke, you like your father are now mine. And the idea when I was a little kid watching that movie of some evil person possessing my father, making him do things or making him be evil was, was terrifying. That was like a, a thought that was horrible. Also, it's amazing when you watch Return of the Jedi that Luke has never done anything that I would call it like he's a bad character. He has like a tendency to be dark. And a lot of people wanted Anakin. Oh, he should have been darker as a character. It's not true at all. I, I believed Luke would turn to the dark side in Return of the Jedi. I believe that was on the table. I believe that he would kill the Emperor. And because of the way George arranged the story, I knew that was the wrong thing to do. When he's saying, you know, you want your weapon, you know, strike me down, I am defenseless. He wants him to give into his anger. He wants him to give in his hate. And, and the fear, the structure that George has laid out in all the movies is coming to fruition now. And the only thing that's gonna save him is not his connection to the Force, it's not the powers he's learned. It's not all these things that are an advantage to him. That's gotten him to the table. But what saves Luke is his ability to look at all that and look at his father and say, no, I'm gonna throw away this weapon. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna let that go and be selfless. And, and he says, you know, I am a Jedi like my father before me. But what he's really saying and why we connect, I connect so powerfully to it is like, he's saying, I love my father and there's nothing you can do that's gonna change that. 
and the, the Emperor can't understand that connection. Why wouldn't you take this? I'm offering you power of the galaxy. Why wouldn't you take this? And Anakin then in that moment has to decide to be the father that he's never had. He has to give up all the power of the galaxy and save his son. And, and that's the selfless act that he does in return for his son. And that's what saves him in turn. So the, the son said, the father, the father says the son, and it works out perfectly. And I draw that line all the way from Phantom Menace to Jedi. That's the story of Star Wars. Everything so when he pops else, the helmet, you're saying when he pops the helmet off in that moment was part of the, yeah, the it's, faded arc. It's all part of the faded arc. It's all part of like why it works and why we care. It's not about X-Wings. It's not about all these, the things we decorate Star Wars in. It's important. It's part of the genius of it. But we soulfully react like we don't just want an action movie. We want to feel uplifted. And, and Star Wars is an adventure that makes you feel good, you know. It makes, makes me feel like, wow, I, I want to be a part of that. So that's what, that's what I always go back to with Star Wars is this selfless act and this family dynamic, which is so important to George, so important to the foundation of Star Wars. That's in us. And what I like about it is it's, it is really saying there is a lot of hope out there, that we fundamentally want to be good people, that we can all be driven to do terrible things, but that we can persevere uh, through selfless action. So. George has this hopeful story, and it's something that he's reiterated most times I've seen him, uh, you know, after we've been making things uh, without him, is remember to make these stories hopeful. Mm. Remember to give that to kids because they really need it. And so that's, that's just something to keep in mind. Oh, man. You know, oh. it, it, it just gets you every time, you know? No, man. Dave Filoni, he gets it better than anyone else on the planet. Oh yeah, he, oh he gets gosh. it more than than me and you. Like he he gets Star Wars in a, in, a, in a whole new way. That I mean, the guy is like is like Palpatine. Or he, the guy is like uh, George's apprentice. I mean, not yeah. Palpatine's apprentice. Uh, George's apprentice, but um, <laughs> I think that's like Bob Iger and his apprentice, not George and <laughs> Right, right. I let that whole thing play out because even though majority of it actually wasn't about Maul. But um, I, I let the whole thing play out because because Maul actually has a lot to do with it. Because if it wasn't for Maul, uh, Qui-Gon wouldn't have died. And the whole story that we know wouldn't have played out the way it is. Right. And and there's, you know, and George just kind of said to Dave, well, we'll bring him back for Clone Wars. And, and that's why, you know, Dave kind of brushes over his time in the Clone Wars, which we're actually going to get into. But um, he he brushes over in the sense that like well until George you know maybe bring it back he was he was dead George but, made me bring him back made me bring him back yeah because at first he didn't think it was a good idea yeah, <laughs> but I love I like, love bring back how, George Maul at gunpoint right yeah 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 uh, but I but I love how Maul is portrayed because you know like like Dave finished off there it, you know he's it, it, Star Wars is supposed to be a, a hopeful thing right make you feel good and um and uh kids really need that and i love how maul is like is not only visually the villain of the story in the phantom menace but he's uh everything that embodies the opposite of 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 everything that star wars stands for and or everything that the jedi stand for and he is like the physical embodiment of revenge and pain and suffering and and like the you know the uh, direct apprentice of of evil and literally you know from a young age which is very uncommon for 
uh, a Sith in the film so far to have been trained from such a young age. Like he's the only one out of out of Dooku, out of Anakin, you know, yeah, Ben Solo. Right. He's the only one that's been trained from such a, a young, uh, innocent state, right? And and I use the word innocent yeah. because of kind of what happens later, what's revealed about his childhood. And uh, and how he was actually uh, uh, taken from his mother, who who turns out to be a, yeah. a prominent character mother, in the Clone Wars. And- yeah, yeah. So yeah. that kind of leads me to the Clone Wars. And you recently watched these episodes. I only took some bullet points down because I've actually yeah. seen them so many times. So I'll let you kind of take the reins on this one. But the first episode, he actually we have a hint of him in Witches of the Mist. Uh, if you it, it, did, you uh, watch that one uh, by any chance, or uh, did you skip over that one and go to the next one? Uh, I think w- I Witches assume that he just mentioned. Right. Yeah, he was like he showed up in the crystal ball um, in this in the smoke yeah, or something. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I did skip that one because okay. I actually had just rewatched a bunch of those episodes anyway, so I did skip oh, over gotcha. that bit. Okay. Where, All right. Yeah, Savage Press uh, kind of escapes the duel uh, with Asajj Ventress and Count Dooku, and he feels betrayed and abandoned. So he goes back to Mother Talzin, which is the leader of the Night Sisters. Uh, which is, I guess, like the queen, but she's like more of a witch, a, w- a witch queen of Dathomir. Uh, and he, he goes to her and he wants revenge like every uh, every other character trained by the Sith. And she informs him that he actually has a brother that could help him, but he has to s- search him out. And we, we're seen through a crystal, crystal ball that it is Darth Maul, but she doesn't actually reveal that until he gets to the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, and then that we had to wait a little while when, when the show was actually coming out. Uh, now, of course, with the chronological viewing order, it's, it's placed a little bit differently, but that episode was actually season three, episode 14. And then Maul himself shows up uh, in season four, episode 21, which is titled Brothers, which is when like a whole season later. Yeah. Yeah. Which is when, which is when, uh, uh, Savage finally comes face to face with, with his brother. And it, it's worth noting all these episodes, uh, that so far, uh, it's, it's this story arc brothers. And then the following two episodes and the episode in season three were actually all written by Katie Lucas. Which were uh, which is uh, George's daughter? I saw her name, yeah, in the titles. I was really surprised by that. Figured yeah, she like George's daughter is writing the story arc to bring back Darth Maul. Made me wonder if she's the one who wanted them back. George's like, well, I'm not I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, <laughs> she, now, now we know that he forced. Uh, Dave Filoni to do it. So I guess it was his, his daughter's wish. <laughs> right. Well, you know, she's just a fantastic writer because uh, one of my favorite Star Wars books of all time, I, I'd say it's probably my favorite Star Wars book, uh, is is Dark Disciple, which is the eight unproduced Clone Wars episodes, uh, which finished off the story of Asajj Ventress, um, which are episodes that we'll never get. And so if you do watch the show, you know, you never really get a conclusion to what happened to her character, but that's because it's in this book. And, uh, and she has this, this story arc, which is just one of the most touching kind of emotional Star Wars stories I've actually ever read in a novel. 
Um, and, and I kind of supersede lost stars even with, with dark disciple, just because of the way that her past has been kind of architected together of being such a, 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 a victim, I guess, of, of being used by, uh, yeah. people she goes in through power. A lot of unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. 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 And, and that's what kind of makes her, her end, I guess, uh, so impactful. And, and she actually changes, uh, somebody's life along the way, which is a, a Jedi who is struggling to stay in the light. And, and that's, uh, Quinlan Voss, who's, who's a, uh, a mentioned character in the films. We never actually saw him in the films, but, uh, he was, he was in a Clone Wars. Episode. Actually, no, that's not true. He's in the background of the Phantom Menace on Tatooine. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, that is that yeah. is true. Actually, yeah, he's got like a cameo. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. So well, funny. What's funny is he was actually just a background character who wasn't a Jedi, and then I'm not sure the first story arc was. I think it was a comic. The guy just like was framing through the Phantom Menace. Was like that guy, and made him into a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> And that's, that's how, so good. Yeah, that's how Quinlan Voss got his design. And he's such a good character, too. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, that being said, I kind of like the dark, moody version a lot more than the surfer dude we got from Clone Wars. But, you know, <laughs> hey, Kenobi! Yeah. Surf's <laughs> up, dude! Hey, hey, Commander, looking good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I actually uh, I actually quite, quite like... I'm not too super attached to the dark horse early Clone Wars mm. co- comics or anything, so I, I quite liked his portrayal. But I was taken by surprise because, of course, yeah. we all know him to be uh, well. At least you know uh, us fans who who you know knew him from the the, the old comic books and everything. Uh, it was a very different take on the character. But that's kind of the purpose of Dark Disciple. It brought that part of the character into the canon of the character that yeah. is the surfer dude and made him this super twisted dark a lot more depth yeah yeah and dooku he's, was like uh, corrupting, corrupting him and stuff like that and that's when ventress kind of comes into play in the story and they had these two character arcs interwoven in this story so not only does dark disciple tell that story of dark <laughs> quinlan voss but it also has this amazing ending to Ventress's life as well. But, um, and that was originally supposed to be a Clone Wars arc, it was eight episodes, yeah. yeah. And those, uh, okay, the longer point that I was, I was trying to make, I kind of got carried away, is those episodes were actually also written by Katie Lucas. So, oh, Katie nice. Lucas okay. has some of the best episodes in the whole show. Like, let's not forget, she can ring up her dad and ask for tips or to look at her work whenever oh, she yeah. wants. So oh, yeah. There is that. Yeah. So I bet a lot of what she wrote was proofread by the master himself. So right. that, that might help to why it's so good. I'm sure I'm sure George looked at the guy and was like, eh, that's good. <laughs> Make them darker. darker. Yeah. More tense. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Yeah. Uh, oh, this one's this one's called revenge. Nice. <laughs> um, so so brothers introduces us to uh, Spider likes Darth Maul. Yeah, that's right. It's made out of a bunch of garbage. He just collects around, controls with the force, which is actually kind of cool. Right. Um. So he gets brought to Dathomir 
by Savage Press, and that's where Mother Talzin heals him uh, in a way, and 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 gives him a new set of artificial legs, and uh, refreshes his body and everything, and 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 he's back. And this, and, and that's but this isn't point. his final form because at this point he no. has goat yeah. legs. Right. He's got these uh, these grievous style legs. And what's interesting about this style, which pays homage actually to a very old comic, uh, comic called yeah. Star Wars. I think it was Star Wars. Uh, was it Visions or I don't remember. Like it. It, was I think like, it was Dark Horse again. And they wrote some weird sequel comic to Darth Maul's story where he comes back with robot legs. Yeah, and, and hunts down Obi Wan. Yeah, murder Obi Wan. Yeah, in the desert of Tatooine. Yeah, and and what I love about that comic book that that they still pay homage to it. Not only do they pay that homage to that duel between him and Maul in the desert, but uh, but they also took the aesthetic of the legs and just took those right out of the pages of the comic book and yep. put them on Maul in the show. So I love that as well. It's such a uh, unique design, so it's pretty cool. It is, yeah, it is for sure. Uh, and and used uh, used uh, battle droid parts from uh, the 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 battle that that uh, the Night Sisters lost to Grievous with. Like that whole battle oh. comes into play, and there's all these droid parts everywhere. And that's those are the droid parts that that she uses, which is pretty crazy. So hmm. uh, I I love I that, that part. That that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's kind of where the context of watching it and the whole length of the show comes into play because then you get all these little bits and pieces that are like, oh, that's so interesting. But um, so, yeah, so Maul's back and starts plotting his revenge and everything like that. And, and then we get so we get that episode and we get the episode after, which is uh, called Revival, which is season five, episode one. So um, following following those we get uh season five episode 14 15 to 16 which is called eminence shades of reason and the lawless and those episodes advance to the next phase of maul's life uh which uh he learns from his mistakes and tempers the fire of revenge inside him kind of thing yeah Uh, this is where we really get to know the new maul from yeah. the mall that we knew from Phantom Menace and the comics beforehand. The one that was just a hot head, I'm going to go kill Jedi kind of thing. Yeah, just live to fulfill this bloodlust. Now, he's almost taken a little bit on of his original, of his master, a little more Palpatine-esque, where he's got this long, drawn-out plot where he kind of withholds his, his draw or his need for vengeance and is able to temper it to pull off a lot more elaborate schemes and yep. just you know pull off what it needs to actually you know fulfill a lot more murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's actually interesting seeing his character evolve in that way because of course he goes from that hot head person to now uh, someone with an actual strategy. Yeah, place. yeah. It used to be brute force, and now he's more intellect, which you would never expected from a character who was written to have two lines in a movie. Yeah, and uh, on you know, and and on top of all that stuff, uh, he starts to begin his journey into what we then see in Solo by by kind of uh, looking at the underworld as a. Uh, place to thrive kind of thing and this kind of calls back to those marvel comics that that we we're talking about earlier that he spent a lot of his biding of time in the underworld of coruscant and so 
he kind of knows hmm. the scum and villainy world really well. Uh, and uh, and in these episodes, forges what's called the Shadow Collective, which is yeah. a, a a unity of of the three uh, largest crime syndicates in the Star Wars universe. Yes, the which ones were they? The, it's the Black Sun, Pike Syndicate, and the Huts. Right. And yeah. so there's one episode where he just goes and collects the allegiance of all three crime syndicates. And I got to tell you, I don't I don't like how that goes to me. It's just, it feels too easy. Mm. It's, this guy just shows up and these three massive crime syndicates. Could you imagine uniting the Russian mafia, the Italian mafia mafia and say like the uh, the Chinese one? triad something like that can you imagine yeah. just in within like 24 hours uniting all three it's impossible it's ridiculous i mean it's, it's a, ridiculous yeah. <laughs> but here's here's the thing about about that episode as that because because I, I know where you're going with that and and it's like I, I i agree with you but also it's like there is a scene where they kind of acknowledge that and the black sun uh, they 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 all stand up when he kind of approaches them with a deal, and they're like, yeah. "We are the Black Sun," and he's yeah. like, "You do we do not take orders from you or something like that." And there are all like these vicious looking dudes, and Savage Press just takes his lightsaber, freaking hucks it down the table, yeah, like M- murdering everybody yeah. at the table, like this long table, and there's only one guy left, and then and then he wasn't even their leader; he was like yeah, the right hand man. Yeah. yeah, so that's kind of how how he he manages to do it because like otherwise yeah. he wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. What's funny is you described that one because that one I thought was still the least believable of all the others. And then the huts, he <laughs> yeah. burns a lot the, of them. the huts. Alive. I believe the most because he actually chased them across multiple planets and they tried to escape, and he still yeah. managed to to get their loyalty. But black back on Black Sun, why were there no guards in that room? Why didn't they just have everybody turn on them? <laughs> like, there's <laughs> just like no the three leaders are in this room with no protection whatsoever. They just walk in. I think like, they oh, just. Oh, yeah, didn't... they're over on like the fourth floor, turn to your left. That's the, the leaders of the crime scene to get over there. Right, right. <laughs> I, I guess they, they totally underestimated him, right? And I think uh, the Pikes, I think, were the only ones that were kind of easier to to get on board with the whole thing but uh the idea of the shadow collective is actually quite quite cool because very little do we see these these crime syndicates in uh, collaboration we always see them no they're competitors competing. yeah 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 uh so in this arc he tries to take over mandalore and he succeeds in a way and uh, gets the throne and and uh uh, uses Satine as a trap for Obi Wan Kenobi, and uh, and and you know I'm skipping over a lot of events yeah, here. But you're also missing the really important part. While he's doing this, it's a deal with the oh, uh, Prime Minister Almec. Well, he meets with right. him uh, eventually, but it's actually Death Watch. He's got to deal with Death Watch to uh, reclaim yes, Mandalore. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of the whole point of getting all these syndicates together. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so he makes a deal with Death Watch, and Death Watch is kind of this terrorist organization known for being a, a, the, a Mandalorian. Yeah, the original group. Mandalorian uh, culture. M- culture, yeah, and they're trying yeah. to reestablish the warrior culture to these uh, pacifists. So you yeah. can kind of look at it as 
uh, like what's the name? No, like Norway, like because Norway, I think, is exactly what Mandalore is based on because they were the Vikings, right? And now yeah. they're they are pacifists, right? They're very middle of the right. road. They're really socialist in a lot of the ways that they run their their country, which is so counter opposite to what the original warrior culture was, where they would pillage other countries and steal all their stuff and return home. And that's mm-hmm. how they survived for a very long time. And that's what Mandalore is now, where it, it used to be this warrior culture that is now all pacifists that don't want to be involved in a war. They just want peace. And that there's but then there's Death Watch, which is trying to reestablish the old Mandalorian or Viking ways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a big part of the whole plan because, of course, with Death Watch's help, he's got a, a Mandalorian fighting force along with all these other crime syndicates and everything like that. And, uh, and part of the plan to take over Mandalore is actually to pose man the the is to use the syndicates as the bad guys and to use the death watch uh as the good guys so to speak and make them look like the heroes so they they make all these false kind of crimes happen and get the death watch to show up and save the day sort sort of thing the term uh, you're looking for is very frowned upon but it's called false flags okay so it's where uh, you you create an event to create a narrative to manipulate a situation to get what you want in the end, but you created the problem to offer the solution. So basically like Palpatine's whole plan. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a lot of bad people use this to manipulate the public. Right. It's kind of the idea of it. Right. Um, So, so that's exactly what he does. And uh, then eventually wins over the respect of the Mandalorian people in a way. Uh, But but Death Watch's leader, who's supposed to be kind of like in charge of things, uh, Maul kind of takes that rule back and basically just he's like, no, 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 I'm in charge. This is my plan. And and whereas Death Watch thought that that Maul was just going to, I don't know, I not, not just help them out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess they thought it would just be like, I scratch your back, you scratch mine kind of thing. But, yeah, but at, at the beginning, they both had different things that they wanted that kind of aligned so they could work together. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so but at this point Maul's like, no, I, I'm superseding with the with power in my hands kind of thing. Yeah. I mean we could kind of see where that's going. And what's funny was both the Mandalorians and Maul had planned from the very beginning to betray each other, like all villains, right? It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll let him get what we need and then we'll turn on him. And Maul's like, don't worry, Savage. We'll just use them to to our means. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and, and they do so, both betray each other in the end. Yeah, uh, and uh, a fight breaks out between the 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 lead of um, Death Watch of uh, Death Watch Pre Vizsla, who is who, voiced by uh, yeah, who is voiced by John Favreau. Yeah, is, yeah, the director or head director of Mandalorian. Funny how it yes. all comes full circle. Plays yeah, Mandalorian, yeah. directs Mandalorians. That's that's how he met Dave Filoni. Yeah. Uh, so and and it's 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 worth noting that Pre Vizsla's character at this point in time is the current uh, ancestor and and owner, uh, which has been passed down to of the dark saber, uh, which originates from the Vizsla clan, which uh, was one of like the first and only Mandalorian Jedi that ever existed who made the lightsaber 
thousands of years before. But oh, that's I didn't realize where... he was of the Vizsla clan. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, this lightsaber was held by my ancestors uh, during the fall of the Old Republic, or something. Or, uh, some, it was something like that. Um, uh, I think it was uh, Tar Tar Vizsla or something like that. Was the Jedi's <laughs> name that that made the lightsaber or Tor Vizsla or something like that. Uh, but yeah, it was he was a uh, he was the only Mandalorian Jedi to have ever really existed and and made that very unique lightsaber so uh during the fall of the old republic mandalorian snuck into the jedi temple and stole it back after the jedi died yeah and uh and so it's been passed down since then and the ruler of mandalore uh which at this point pre vizsla is in a government position anyways but i guess he doesn't talk about the dark saber up until he comes out as a terrorist uh is uh, the wielder and the current owner of of the dark saber but uh in a in a in a i guess what would you call yeah, that that makes me wonder though this is maybe skipping ahead a bit but it's not about maul so i think it's okay because mm-hmm. as we find out in the mandalorian series the true ruler of mandalore is the person who has the dark saber so does yeah. That almost that makes me think. Then the Vizsla family was supposed to be consistently the ruler. Like, when did it become the dark saber that declares rulership over Mandalore? Like, when did that transition happen? Uh, I don't. I don't know exactly. All I know is that is that if you challenge the the owner of the dark saber uh, in battle and win, the dark saber is yours. And technically, the dark saber represents the ability to lead the planet yeah which so, we do see with maul yeah but yeah i don't know to me it's just strange that that became a thing what about forever before that you know what i mean like guess what we're led to believe in the mandalorian series is that's just been this culture for forever but it seems to be more within the death watch slash Vizsla clan only Hmm. Um. Yeah. I. I get. You know. I guess. It, it, when I think about it, I think of it. If. If nobody challenged the owner of the dark saber, it might have been like a. It might have been like a a loyalty or like a like kind of like a, uh, a royal marriage thing where it's like oh maybe someone from another clan marries in and or or something like that maybe it gets passed to them maybe that's how it could have potentially swapped clans at, at any point but i would assume that maybe mm-hmm. that's also not the case just because the owner uh, the original maker of the dark saber was a jedi and yeah that's the part i'm, I'm trying to fit together maybe you have to wait for yeah. dave filoni or we'll have to tweet pablo for an answer it, on that right it, it, it seems like history changed but has already been canonized it's what it almost feels like i think i think the Vizla clan has it is it might be that they're like the dominant clan on mandalore kind of thing the yeah. alpha clan if you be kind of thing so they were in uh, power for a long time yeah pre yeah like the pacifist state yeah and and it makes sense because pre vizsla is also the leader of the death watch which is trying to re restore you know that order kind of thing restore so, our warrior ways restore our warrior ways 
Reigns. Yeah. <laughs> Man, if you gave him any other voice other than John Favreau, it would sound so ridiculous. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. I, I don't. I don't know how Favreau could sit in the recording booths and say lines like that. <laughs> we go reclaim our warrior ways. <laughs> reclaim our warrior ways. <laughs> he, he pulls it off. He pulls. He it does. Off. Yeah. It's um, funny because his voice is slightly nerdy too. So yeah, yeah, it, it is. Makes it. it is. Yeah, I don't know. It works. Anyway, back to Maul. <laughs> okay, yeah. So he fights Pre Vizsla for the dark saber and ruler of Mandalore. He wins. Takes his head off. Takes the dark saber. Uh, big internal rebellion of uh, of Death Watch. And yeah, Death Watch is split because yeah, technically how Mandalore their original customs were, or if you beat the leader. All of everyone who's under that needs to now follow the new leader who won the duel, but -hmm. they're split because Maul isn't Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. And so Bo-Katan is like, no outsider will ever rule Mandalore. Exactly. And And so Death Watch splits and half follow her, Bo-Katan, and half follow Maul. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's also worth noting uh, that at this point, Maul has killed Satine, which is a, a very good friend, if not possible, previous Ooh. lover of Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Love and, interest. Yeah. And, and Obi-Wan is helped by Bo-Katan to escape the planet. And she basically says, okay, tell your Republic what happened here. Like, this is not like things are not looking good for Mandalore. Right. And so that's kind of where that story arc ends. But at the very end of that arc. What I love about this arc is that it ends off with Palpatine showing up on Mandalore, wielding two lightsabers, killing Savage Opress, yeah. and and taking Maul captive and saying, like, it basically comes in and says, like, dude, you're wrecking my plans. Like you're you're cut you're actually like doing something to uh to take away from what I'm building towards and and it's it's not not okay. I don't care if you're alive. Uh I don't care what you say in the sense of because he tries to make it sound as if he was doing all for Palpatine when he knows he's not. And he's like, yeah, no you're no longer my uh my apprentice. And so that's kind of where Yeah. What's funny uh, is after Maul gets beat, he even gets a a little desperate. It's like, oh I I collected all of these things for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and that's yeah. and that's Alex where like, I have a new apprentice, <laughs> and you are no longer my apprentice. Uh, <laughs> and and that's where that story ends in uh, in season five for the time being, up until it gets picked up in uh, the Son of Dathomir comic book. All right, yeah. So, um, so the next thing up is the. Son of Dathomir miniseries, which uh, was unproduced Clone Wars episodes because because Disney. Uh, and uh, <laughs> let's be honest here, that's exactly what yeah. it was. And there's a lot of fan outcry. It was. Uh, so it was a part of a project called Clone Wars Clone Wars Legacy. And this is also the same project that the unfinished episode story reels for the Utapau arc were released and the Dark Disciple novel also came out under this label as well. Uh, Legacy, not to be confused with Legends, which is non-canon stuff. Uh, Legacy is just, you know, it's like to, to continue something on after it's already gone. Uh, so uh, four episodes adapted, four comic issues. It was the last ones that Dark Horse uh, Comics did. Uh, and we start off with uh, Maul in captivity 
it resolves the cliffhanger from the lawless. Amal is uh, is kept in captivity from Palpatine and Dooku, and then his elite Mando troops break him out of this prison, which is Stygian. It's called the Stygian secret prison or something, which is later pops up in Star Wars Rebels in the fifth episode when Kanan and Ezra go to uh, try and rescue Luminara Unduli, who turns out to actually be dead. But it's a, a trap that the Inquisitor lures them into. So that that place originates here in this in this comic book uh, or in this episode, I guess I should call it. And uh, Grievous. Uh, so he gets out. Grievous goes hunting for Maul on a planet called Xanbar and his droids just decimate Maul's forces. All right. Just like completely obliterate them. And Dooku and Maul's plan is actually to have this happen just to just so that they break Maul's spirits down to the bone like they want him not. I mean, they want him dead, but they also want him just powerless kind of thing. That's the whole goal of it. These are Mandalorians that he's attacking. Uh, Yeah. So Grievous and his army of droids are attacking Maul and his army of Mando troops, basically. So they they wreck a lot of what he's got going on. Yeah, which is actually really crazy. And that included... Mandalorians should be way more trained than battle droids. Right, yeah. But he, so at the end of the battle, Grievous says uh, that the losses were extensive on his end too. But of course, droids are expendable, right? Um, and uh, many people died on, yeah. on the pikes and the Black Sun as well. And the, the alliance starts to fracture at this point. Uh, Mother Talzin turns out resides in Maul's body because at this point in time, she's actually, um, uh, she's, She's her. She's losing her life force in a way. She's losing the ability yeah, well, she, to maintain a physical body, kind of thing. Yeah, I was trying to remember this part in the Clone Wars arc. Uh, it, was she? This was after. Did Grievous go and try to kill her, and then she went into hiding? Uh, so she basically disappears after Grievous. Uh, fights all the Night Sisters and decimates the Night Sisters on Dathomir, and yeah. uh, and she kind of disappears and lingers in this like ghosty form where she's like not a physical person anymore. She can like teleport through the forest, different areas, um, and so she actually to stay alive, she has to harness onto Maul's body, uh, kind of like a parasite almost, and lives inside him, sort yeah. of thing. So. Uh, for a long time now, I guess Palpatine and Duke have been trying to figure out a plan to lure Talzin out into the open so that they can kill her because she's actually a threat and then make sure that Maul is rendered powerless while while they achieve this goal. So that's the whole point of this plan. And it's not in, until around after this battle that it's revealed to, to Grievous that that's what the plan is. Um, and, uh, and so then Maul and his forces kind of get away uh, while the what forces he has left uh guiding his path Talzin kind of takes him uh you know is guiding him through her magic and stuff like that grievous tracks maul to ordmentel maul and his forces fight uh a trap that uh is is laid out and uh capture what he lays a trap out for 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 Grievous that is, and he captures Dooku and Grievous, which is like this is like the turning point, and you think that Maul actually might get the upper hand. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. the Jedi are lured into the conflict by the Chancellor, who begins to uh, allows them to start investigating this whole thing because, of course, he wants to draw the Jedi into more mess. Um, and uh, Maul and Talzin reveal to Dooku that Palpatine actually betrayed them both, and they try to ally with him, and they reveal that Maul is actually Talzin's son, which is something that I kind of brought up earlier. 
um, and uh, something that actually has to do with how Maul is actually a bit of a tragic character in a sense that that he was taken as a young child and and trained from a very young age to yeah which was interesting because i actually read a little bit into this more in depth i think today and what happened was palpatine went to mother talzin to try to learn some of her force capabilities and try to learn from her as a sith master and he then betrayed her and stole maul to take on as an apprentice Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's interestingly enough, Dooku also had an alliance with Talzin at one point to, to learn, uh, they collaborated with different types of force magic. So, so both Palpatine and Dooku had, uh, this pre-existing relationship with, with Talzin in one way or another. Yeah. Plus Dooku went to her t- to get an apprentice, which was Savage Press. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, they, they tell Dooku though, that Palpatine is going to betray them one day. And I wrote this down because it's something that actually happens, uh, you know, and, and, and he, Palpatine gets Anakin to, to kill Dooku. And, and I don't think Dooku ever saw that moment coming. Like, even though he knows the ways of the Sith, that the Sith betray each other, I think he thought that it would go differently for him and he doesn't expect it. Like that moment in Revenge of the no. Sith, you see the surprise, his surprise. on his face. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, honestly, he does seem very caught off guard. And which is even more surprising because in that moment, he's just lost his hands, which make him quite useless because the two things that he had going for him as a Sith were he's – He's a very good duelist, yep. which the way he fought was more of a fencing, which is all in the, in the wrist and the hands. And he just lost his hands. And he's one of the few Sith that could use Force Lightning, which you also need your hands, <laughs> which is why Darth Vader can't do it. So, right, yeah. Yeah. It's, he's rendered himself useless. And yet he's still surprised when Palpatine decides to execute him. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, actually. I never, I never thought of that. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, so it's here that Palpatine, that, that Dooku is is kind of warned by Talzin, uh, saying like, "Hey, uh, Palpatine betrayed Maul. He used Maul, just like what Dave Filoni was saying. Like he used Maul as a weapon, and when that weapon was expired, he didn't fight to get him back. Like he just let him no. die and do his own thing. And and Talzin was also betrayed, and he said, Dooku, okay, you're gonna be, you're gonna, you're gonna get the knife in the back one day.'" And uh, so Dooku temporarily aligns with Maul to fight past the Jedi who now show up and escape on a ship that they're on. And, and uh, uh, Dooku actually kills Master Tipley, who is like this pink, um, I forget the alien's name, but her and her sister. Her sister was the one that was killed by Top oh. the Clone in season six. Yeah, with the, the weird underwater wavy hair. Yeah, yeah that's the one. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. That's uh, so that happens, uh, and uh, they allow that the, the Jedi to believe that Maul and Dooku are actually master and apprentice, all part of Palpatine's deception. You know, sending the Jedi in to make uh, Dooku look like the master and Maul look like the new apprentice, kind of thing. So, so they're kind of off the trail of like Palpatine at this point. Who, if they suspected anything at all, now that's like, oh, it's master and apprentice. There we go. It's our two suspects right there. Uh, so, you know, once again, him toying with the whole using the war to kind of toy with the Jedi's heads. Uh, 
Uh, Maul takes Dooku to Dathomir, where Talzin tries to use Dooku as a vessel to come back to the living realm. And Grievous shows up with Palpatine in the process, fights Maul, and at this point, a possessed Dooku, which which like Talzin is like inside his body. Uh, and they saw, they extract Talzin uh, via Sith lightning. Grievous actually kills Talzin as she's trying to defend through the force. Uh, like they're, they got like a light a lightning duel going on, uh, her and Palpatine. And, and Grievous comes up and just kills her as she's like doing it which is pretty crazy but maul actually gets it's been a while since i've seen this fight it's awesome i really wish that this ended up in an episode but uh but maul actually gets away having lost everything including his mother die and with what little mandalorian forces he has left it's left with him going back to mandalore with that kind of ragtag group of mandalorians uh that are loyal to him still and that's all he has he's got no apprentice no mother uh, no master who wants him. He's got nothing like like no alliance with the the pikes and the uh, the black sun. The whole that whole thing with the huts and everything falls apart at this point in time in the story. And uh, and he's got nothing left. So he heads back to Mandalore to live uh, to live in uh, in on that world in the underworld. Because, and, or as a king, because he's still technically the right, leader. Yeah, and and that's that's kind of where that story is left off, which is when, and then we flash forward now to season seven finale. Yeah, so there's a big time gap. We have no idea what the heck's going on because Disney canceled it. <laughs> well, now now of course there's some episodes, but at least, yeah, it's something. But yeah, yeah we definitely not enough. We don't have a finale. No, though. Uh, this this though the 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 uh, Son of Dathomir comic. Um, was all the episodes that Maul was supposed to be in be- before be in? the season seven okay. finale. Yeah. So was season seven then what we're about to go over? Was that the finale pre-written as well, or did they rewrite it to fit Maul in? No, no, that, that was all that was all pre-written. So, so actually, they yeah. had two seasons pre-written. Uh, there was one of the writers on the team. Brent, I think his name was Brent Friedman. Uh, he tweeted out at some point quite a couple of years ago, there was originally supposed to be eight seasons of the Clone Wars. So so right. aside from the adapted episodes between Dark Disciple, Son of Dathmir, the released story reels, uh, some of the yeah. episode ideas or the episode, not the episode titles, but like some of the episode arcs that we know about from some of the celebrations that Dave Filoni's like talked about them. Like there was one where Yoda goes to Kashyyyk before he does in episode three. Uh, and there is like one about Boba and Cad Bane, the bounty hunter. Uh, and th- there was a couple more like kind of like that. And so aside from those ones, there's an unaccounted for like roughly 20 to 25 episodes in that ballpark that we have no idea. They should do like, what they're they about. Should release shorts, like a live action short of some of these stories that are were just a couple arcs they should they should and honestly like i mean i'm i'm stoked that we're getting bad batch but i would have been even more stoked to have more clone wars like just to finish the show like that would have been great but yeah i really even if it's just the yoda one and cad bane and boba fett i would love to see that as like a maybe like a three-part mini series yeah make some like movies like make a yeah. Make the arcs into they movies really and have them on Disney Plus. Like they could totally get away with that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do like TV movies. Doesn't doesn't have to be feature length, just be hour and a half or whatever. That'd be yeah, great. Yeah. And then just stick him in that already messed up chronological viewing order anyway, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's true. All right. So take it away with season seven. 
Yeah, so we finally got to figure out what happened to Maul towards the end of the Clone Wars because he just kind of vanished. And what happens is uh, Ahsoka gets sent back to, to Mandalore uh, with some of the 501st troopers. And she's she actually doesn't know that Maul's there. She's there just trying to push out the Death Watch as well as reclaim uh, the, the, the peaceful order of peaceful rulership that was in control of Mandalore before Death Watch took over. And she actually falls into a trap and meets Maul. And of course, at that point, uh, she's supposed to, uh, she needs to get rid of Maul, right? Sith Lord. So she's chasing him down. And they end up in a confrontation where the Death Watch and the 501st Troopers are at, are at full war, and she needs to come to a duel with Maul. Sorry, you might need to cut this part out. I'm like also reading. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. What you, yeah, I remember the moment that you're talking about. It's 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 such a it's such an, a cinematic moment on screen. And I remember, yeah. I remember all the all the fighting going on outside the uh, the the throne room's windows, which is when she and Maul finally have their, yeah. have their duel and stuff. It's, it's so well set oh, up, yeah. the uh, the lighting and everything. Yeah. And uh, a really important point comes out uh, just before they fight is they actually start to talk, and Maul points out that he's been getting a lot of visions of what's been happening in the future, mm-hmm. and he is uh, seeing what essentially is Darth Vader. He sees that Anakin is going to fall to the dark side and that his master is going to have this new apprentice. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment where Ahsoka and Darth Maul actually almost team up to overthrow the Sith because they both think that they can work together to get Palpatine. But Maul goes a little bit too far in what he's saying and shares that it's Anakin that's going to turn on the Jedi and Ahsoka at this point in her storyline just can't believe that yeah. she can't believe that's going to happen so she thinks that Maul must be manipulating her just lying to her so she, she at the last moment before they, they work together turns on him and forces them to fight mm-hmm. and she does succeed in uh, uh, beating him in a long drawn out fight and they capture him instead of executing him they capture him and they take him on to the 501st ship which uh, this is where we find it taking place during order 66 which is why uh, Anakin doesn't have his full legion and we then are actually go through the order 66 itself where all the clones turn on Ahsoka on the ship and she then uses Maul as an an escape route and a distraction so she can try to get out with Rex who she's able to coax out of the the mind control Mm -hmm. yeah and uh and then that's that's his that's I mean there's so much more on beyond on on the Clone Wars end and the Ahsoka side of things but yeah that's pretty much Maul's story like he he steals that ship on on the Republic warship and gets away and blasts off into hyperspace. Yeah, he takes what is essentially the last ship left too. Yeah. Ahsoka yeah. was prepping it and getting ready to take off, and then Maul just at the last second swoops in and steals it and leaves them <laughs> in this crashing ship that's about yeah, to blow up, yeah. <laughs> being attacked by all these mind controlled troopers. Yeah, it's it's a it's a crazy moment because of course many of us who've seen Star Wars 
uh, well, Solo, A Star Wars Story or Rebels, like obviously, you know that he lives, but uh, but, you know, just to watch it play out like that, I was still so tense in my seat the first time i watched it i was like what well, like what's gonna happen i don't know how this it was really yeah it's like i don't yeah, know how this that, this ends right and at this point we didn't even know what was gonna happen to ahsoka so she could have died and it wouldn't have affected anything. well she wait no that's not true we saw yeah, rebels, we saw right? rebels and stuff but uh but but that could have been a clone <laughs> <laughs> the clone wars everybody <laughs> uh, <laughs> no it's uh yeah it, it, it's just it's just what i'm saying is like it's just a tense moment regardless because even though you do know what's going to happen it, it's just one of those things it's like how is it going to play out and uh and yeah. and maul is you know he's he's such a big part of that final that final moment of the Clone Wars in such a big part of Ahsoka's life now, in a way that he's such a big part of Obi-Wan's life uh, from having this super long rivalry between the two and, and Maul's lust for revenge on, on Obi-Wan, not only for taking his legs and stuff, but losing that fight and eventually losing his places. And it's really the driving force of oh, Maul yeah. at this yeah. point is to just kill Obi-Wan. He doesn't really care about anything yeah, else. At this point. He doesn't care about money, yeah. power, he just wants revenge of one person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't seem to ever get it, does he? Uh, no. So we flash forward uh, quite a few years to Solo, a Star Wars story, which which takes place around five to to seven ish years. I think it's around there uh, after before. Yeah. After hmm. after uh, Revenge of the Sith. And okay, I always thought it was closer to New Hope. No, he's, uh, it's, you know what, let me, I should know this. I, I feel like I did know it, and now it's just, I'm just blanking on it. Um, how long after Sith? I probably shouldn't be Googling this, but, uh, so it takes place roughly, oh, around 11 to 14 years before A New Hope. So, yeah, so pretty much exactly what I said. Um because there's a Nailed there's a 19 it. year gap between those two movies, so so around 10 okay. years, you know, or just before that's a long just time before that. from all, all to just be hiding in the shadows. Yeah, just chilling. But he hasn't been doing nothing because at the very end of Solo: A Star Wars Story, we see a brief appearance of Maul who shows up on a hologram, and it's revealed that he's in fact the leader of a new criminal organization called Crimson Dawn. And this story yeah. is never concluded. Okay, we're still waiting on what happens to Crimson Dawn. Uh, but that's all I have to say about that story. It's very brief appearance and uh, I loved seeing it. And his story actually picks up in the next uh, animated series, Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. Before we move on too far, though, like that really came out of left field, that re reveal. Right. Right. And I'm now probably as far as like what's left, I guess this is the only thing that is left. So I'm quite curious to what they're going to do to fill in this gap because he's no longer connected to the Mandalorians and they kind of think that he's betrayed them. Essentially. We kind of learned that from Bo-Katan. Mm -hmm. I assume what's left after the empire wiped them all out. is all sided with her and he no longer has his crime syndicate of all of them together. So I guess he created a new competing one. I don't know. Maybe he took over black sun and like shit labeled it or yeah something. maybe I mean, we have no idea right yeah it's it's it, that's that's honestly one of my biggest questions uh aside from what kind of details came out of that that republic occupancy of uh of 
or occupancy of of Mandalore at, in in the finale of the Clone Wars, but uh, but yeah, just as far as Maul's concerned, I mean, like what happened with uh, in those couple of years, like where where did Crimson Dawn come from? Like how did he set it up? Like all the details on that, yeah. those are all never revealed. Not even in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, Star Wars Rebels picks up years after Crimson Dawn's not even a thing anymore. Uh, Crimson Dawn's not even mentioned in Star Wars Rebels. It's because uh, Rebels Rebels point. is actually a series that uh, that began and concluded before Solo, a Star Wars story, it was even made. Wonder if it got snuffed out again by Palpatine, just like he did with the Syndicate. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's a story obviously that we have yet to see, and uh, I know there's a lot of people petitioning for. Uh, a sequel to Solo, and I actually quite liked Solo, Maybe, a Star Wars story. I mean, there'll be a story where we find out Palpatine sent Vader to deal with it, and we finally get a Darth Maul, Darth Vader. Right? Deal. Yeah. I mean, that's that Which, would be awesome. That yeah. would be awesome. I mean, well, I guess we're about to get into it, but. Uh, maybe I'll I should save it to when we're actually talking about it later at Rebels. But Dave Filoni did mention that there's a very good chance where they could have had Darth Maul and Darth Vader duel, but he opted not to do that mm. because of other characters. Yeah, that's uh, and that's referring to one of the one of the episodes that Maul's in in Rebels, uh, which which focuses in on on Ahsoka's story a little more uh, and and her conflict with Vader, but. Yeah, let's let's get into Rebels here. Um, how about I'll uh, do you want to take the first couple couple episodes and then I'll finish off wherever you want to stop. Sure, I'll just do half Sounds then. Good. So uh, Maul eventually travels to Malachor in search of an ancient weapon and his ship is crashed there, leaving him trapped there for years without contact of the galaxy, which I always thought was very interesting because we meet Maul underground under the surface layer of this planet and he's kind of tricks ezra where he's like this kind of old kind of like wizened lost weird character like the best way i can describe it is if you've seen the old aladdin movies and in the animated one and aladdin gets imprisoned and there's like that weird old man who's just been there forever yeah yeah which we find it later is jafar which Actually, is just they just stole that storyline. <laughs> Did they stole? They took Aladdin. <laughs> it's just the same. They thing. took Aladdin and just transformed that into Star Wars yeah, Rebels. Ezra is Aladdin Ezra is so- and Shafar is Darth Maul. It's so true, man. It's so true. <laughs> I just realized that right now because we always make fun of uh, Ezra being Aladdin because he's the street rat turned Jedi, right? So street rat. <laughs> Take that street rat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was all, what's on uh, what's on Mandalorian after show that we started singing uh, Arabian Arabian Nights. Arabian Nights. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, I did not realize that yeah. Yeah. at all right now. That is really is just Jafar. <laughs> yeah, it's like this crazy this person pretending to be an old man who is helpless. And he calls himself old master. Like he, that's how he refers yeah, himself right. to. Yeah, yeah. Ezra Bridger, who is manipulated into helping him retrieve the Sith holocron along uh, the brief adventure where Maul also plants seeds of the dark side in Ezra and refers to himself as the old master. Yeah. 
Wow, there's a <laughs> we might have to tweet that out to Pablo. Oh, yeah. Dave uh, hey, we got Jafar. We got Disney. Aladdin here. That's right. <laughs> you getting some tips from Bob Iger? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, maybe for Star Wars Celebration, we should just go as Aladdin and Jafar instead oh, of like Darth we'll mix Ball it up. Like do it like Aladdin yeah. and Jafar with lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's mall planting seeds in Ezra is interesting. It's an interesting part of Star Wars Rebels because not only does it subject Ezra now to the dark side and to an actual like previous Sith, but uh, his character is is exposed to something that he then struggles with for the next following couple seasons, like. Uh, these seeds yeah. of the dark side follow Ezra into the into the final season of Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like he's had this taste of using his anger for power. Yeah, and so he realized that there is a strength there. Yeah, and he's always so desperate to save his friends at all costs that he, if he doesn't feel that he's strong enough using the light side of the Force, he will use the dark side to get the ends to his means by any means necessary right right yeah so we also find uh, the inquisitors here on on malachor which we should talk about the fact that it's called malachor because the sith planet was always originally core oh you're 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 uh, thinking of moribund uh, which is it's Korriban. Yeah, oh, Korriban okay. slash Korriban is another Korriban. it's another planet. Malachor. So so Malachor yeah. is is a separate is a different planet which which was just the a planet that had this ancient war between Jedi and Sith and there's a big Sith temple there which had a super weapon inside it and somehow all these people died on the planet and everything like that and uh, of course this is it's worth mentioning the same planet that. Uh, that flashed back in the first Marvel comic that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, uh, how Palpatine brought him there to to have the vision. So it's only natural that in in I'm assuming that Crimson Dawn at this point is somehow taken from him or gone or whatever, and he's come to the only place that he believes that there's a, a sanctioned place for him to gain power once again, and this is the the super weapon. Uh, or or something inside the is the holocron inside the yeah. uh, the Sith temple. I the one thing though is I find it hard to believe that Palpatine wouldn't have got that because now that we know Palpatine knows of this planet and he took Maul here, why wouldn't if he why wouldn't he have gotten the holocron out himself? It's a good point. I I honestly don't know. Like it's it's possible that maybe he left it there intentionally, uh, or in, in planning to come back someday. I mean, he's Palpatine. He feel he owns the galaxy. He probably feels like if he leaves something somewhere, it's going to be a safe place. Uh, I don't think he felt like as if the Jedi would show up there at any point in time. So he was. He was like, yeah, whatever. I'll just, I'll just leave it here. Uh, but, but right. And that being said, I think the Inquisitors try to get the holocron from them. So yeah, they might be tasked to do that as well. And, and Maul actually, I think he needs Ezra's help to actually get the holocron in the yep. first place. So it's yeah, that's right. It's uh, the rule of two is needed to get into the temple. Mm-hmm. So they have it set up where there's kind of these giant stone doorways that can only be lifted through the force and they're so heavy that a force user can only ever lift one at a time and you have to 
lift one and then the next and then both go under the second one and let down the first one so you can open the third one and then continue on. So it's kind of a back and forth master and apprentice lifting the doors to get through. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't know why several Jedi couldn't just go in and do it, but <laughs> right, <laughs> so many of these like little little story plot holes, loopholes, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's that was the idea. There can only be two master and apprentice, so that's why Maul could do it himself. Mm-hmm. So he actually needs to use uh, Ezra to get through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the Inquisitors track Maul and the Jedi here, which is Malcor, while Ahsoka. Uh, Kanan were reluctant to trust Maul when they ran into him. With uh, the help of the four, four of them force uh, the Inquisitors to retreat. Maul kills the seventh sister and helps Ahsoka find the fifth brother. This is also, unfortunately, where we learn of helicopter lightsaber. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Uh, reason for the helicopter lightsabers was 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 pretty stupid. Uh, just to well, yeah. The, Pablo admitted that the only reason they did that is they needed an excuse to get the the Inquisitors from one side of the game map to the other. But yeah, I don't know. I would have been happy with it. They just cut it and boom, they show up. Exactly. Yeah. They're just there. Yeah. They're villains. They can just appear. Though yeah. so I think they also tried to explain the lightsabers a little better that they don't work by the blades having lift i guess the lightsabers because it's kind of a disc shape and they spin mm-hmm. they have like repulsors or like the anti-grav things on them i guess is how they work yeah because a lot of people had a lot of problems with that so they needed to make to explain it <laughs> <laughs> so maul betrays the jedi striking kane and blind uh, duels ahsoka uh, she leaves him him though, to fight Vader, and Maul takes a, a fall after Kanan beats him. Uh, he survives and makes off with an Inquisitor ship once again, uh, planted ruins, his planted ruins. And at this point, he kind of considers Ezra to be his new apprentice, and he keeps bringing that up, mocking Kanan to his face, like, me and my apprentice will take this lift. Yeah. You two can go around the far side while they're working together. Which I thought was pretty funny. Just like super arrogant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So so once again, yeah. He yeah, like you said, like he betrays the Jedi, and and uh, I love how Ahsoka is once again faced with, uh, with Maul, like in a fight. Like this is the second fight that they've now had to had to have, and uh, yep. she chooses to go and kind of save Ezra and leaves Kanan to deal with mall and and you know she goes off to fight there yeah. has that confrontation which is extremely this epic. is after after maul had already thought kanan was rendered useless by blinding him yeah yeah with his lightsaber yeah. and thought he was out for the fight and then kanan comes just, back just and he samurais has, him off uh, the edge <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it was pretty, pretty funny yeah, yeah it was so good it was, a good it was, move. A, it was like was, such a karate like mr miyagi kind of like kind of like okay he's oh yeah that's a good way to explain yeah. it like Maul comes in overconfident and then Kanan moves like th- three times and throws him off a yeah, cliff. Yeah, he's so good, right? <laughs> and so he falls, you know, and he survives, of course. Uh, so we pick up the story months later uh, and, and Maul has actually captured Hera and the crew and exchanges them for the holocrons, which at this point Ezra has both uh, the 
the, uh, I think he has both or, or, or yeah. I think he has either both or he has just the light side one or whatever the case is. Uh, he he exchange makes an exchange with them to combine the dark and the light side holocrons to reveal no, Maul, secrets in the Maul first. shows up and he captures their ship and he uh, searches the ship and f- uh, finds the Jedi holocron in Kanan's. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. So, so they combine, and what I love about it is that they 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 combine these and reveal secrets in the Force by combining the light and the dark side. I was, I always thought that was kind of a cool concept. That is really interesting, but it makes me wonder who figured it out, right? Like who? I don't know what any Sith that have Jedi holocrons or Jedi that have Sith holocrons. It's, it's something again, something that surprises me about Maul's character is that he actually knows this stuff. Uh, and and once again, I'm reminded just how much Maul was supposed to be the original Sith apprentice. apprentice. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he spent more time with Palpatine than pretty much anyone else other than Vader. That's true. Would have been nearly 20 years, if not more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the ritual links Maul and Ezra's mind in the Force, but at this point, the secrets that's been revealed to him, Maul figures out that Obi Wan's actually alive somewhere. Uh, and he's obsessed with finding it because that's all he has. He doesn't have anything left. He's got no military, yeah. no nothing. He's got no mat. You know, like, like I said before, the whole long list. Like he's out for his sole purpose of living at this point is seeking revenge on Obi Wan, and that's it. And so the oh, what's funny is when they first are trying to do the holocron thing, he doesn't even know if Obi Wan's alive. He's just looking for a reason to live. Right. Yeah. He's point. he's like he, he has nothing. He's doing whatever. Yeah. And it coincidentally works out because Ezra is looking for a way to destroy the Sith and uh, Maul is looking for a purpose. And they're both revealed a planet with a desert planet with twin suns. And they're both are, are led to Obi-Wan who's the answer to both of their questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's actually like the best way to kind of express through that stuff, because Ezra thinks Obi-Wan is is not only the perfect recruit to to help the rebel alliance but uh but i mean you know it's it's the whole twin sons thing it's such a it's such an iconic nod to uh that that original kind of moment of like luke looking off into the twin sons you know it's it it kind of represents a new hope in general right and it also represents anakin's origin and like where he comes from and that whole lineage and Obi-Wan is there protecting Luke. And, and so he obviously declines the offer to join the rebellion. Uh, but uh, I forget the details on that conversation that he has with Ezra. But he basically sends Ezra away. And Maul shows up in the desert at... at yeah, he, he actually tracked Ezra. Yeah, yeah. And Ezra led Maul to Obi-Wan. And, and, and the final... Yeah, it was kind of funny because Obi-Wan points that out. It's like... He says essentially, you were on the right track. You were doing what you were supposed to, but instead you let him here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and uh, it's it's uh, it's an interesting thing that happens here because, of course, Obi Wan Maul known each other for years at this point, and Rebels takes place about five years before uh, before A New Hope, and in this episode, okay. it being towards the end of the show, actually takes place le- uh, even less than five years. <laughs> And uh, the final duel occurs, and in typical samurai fashion, Maul is killed very swiftly and quick. And you know, at first, at first, I, I wasn't sure about this death scene, but 
after yeah, after hearing Dave Filoni talk about it, it kind of made more sense. And and yeah. on upon further analyzation, you have to look deeply into it. You, you realize yeah. there's a lot lot of depth, even though the whole fight lasts ten to fifteen yeah. seconds. They both essentially do one move, and the fight is over, and Maul is dead. Right. Actually, you know what? Let's let's just watch it here because uh, there's some interesting dialogue that that is brought up, which uh, would be interesting to talk about. So, because this is the, really the culmination of all of Darth Maul's plot, like his storyline. Like this is everything that he's been driven to and from. Right. It like from when we first met him in Phantom Menace, where he kills Qui Gon and he loses to obi-wan the rest of his life is trying to like make up that one mistake his entire life leads up to this moment yeah yeah the way that the way that dave puts it is or sam whitmer even puts it is maul is always trying to push this boulder up a hill and it just keeps rolling back down on him again <laughs> and anytime and yeah. every time he tries to get close to the top of the hill it's just it just gets worse <laughs> you know uh, so yeah here's here's the the clip of uh of maul versus obi-wan Look what has become of you, a rat in the desert. Look what I have risen above. I have come to kill you, but perhaps it's worse to leave you here, festering in your squalor. If you define yourself by your power to take life, a desire to dominate, to possess, then you have nothing. And what do you have? Why come to this place? Not simply to hide. Oh, you have a purpose here. Perhaps you are protecting something? No. Protecting someone. Is it the chosen one? He is. He will avenge us. There's something very, um, very sad about about his final moment there because 
at that at, at that last kind of moment, it's uh, it's clear that he's um, he's been a victim himself his whole life of of not only just constantly failing and and been a uh, a victim of his own lust for revenge. But I mean, he's clearly been been used by a dark lord that he hates. Yeah, he was a pawn. Yeah, he was a pawn. Yeah, he was a pawn in this giant scheme that Palpatine created. So he he was manipulated from a child. I think he starts to realize that as he gets older, that he may not have went down this path of the dark side if he wasn't kidnapped by a Sith Lord and manipulated to, to be a, a pawn in this giant war. And he could have had a better life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, simply put, I love a few things about that fight scene. Uh, yeah, stuff that I know you're going to point out, but you do not get it the first time. You just it's you have to watch it over and over again and slowly peel back layers. And you start to realize the actual depth that is in this five second. fight. Yeah. Uh, so first off, I mean, the fact that it takes place on Tatooine, this is the place that he revealed himself to the Jedi. Uh, this is the this is yeah. the final moment of his life, and he's revealing himself uh, finally to Obi Wan after all these years. And uh, it's it's very like he acknowledges that they're in this place. You know, he's like, why why have you come to this place? Comes, like, yeah, it's full circle. Yeah, it's come full circle exactly. And um, it kind of rhymes. It, it does. <laughs> and, and when they when they take out their lightsabers and make their stance, uh, Obi Wan has his classic prequel sort of like you know, hello there, kind of move. And then he actually changes yeah. positions kind to, of, ass- yeah, over the shoulder. to assume how Qui-Gon Qui-Gon's. Did. Yeah. Yeah. And he uses Qui-Gon's battle sticks. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, and then Maul then goes to try and kill Obi-Wan in the way that he actually did with Qui-Gon, where he tries to butt his arms up with the hilt of his lightsaber and then, and then stick him through the stomach. But stab him in the yeah, gut. But yeah. but Obi Wan sees that coming and actually swipes down and and cleaves him in like after two hits of the lightsaber he's done. He cleaves, yeah. cleaves right through the hilt and he just cleaves through the middle of the double bladed saber. It, it's That's right. It's it goes so, right into the mole's gut. It's so good, man. Like like after all the all, all the fights man. that they've had, I, like it's just. You know the the shortest fights. It, it's totally reminiscent of all the samurai duels that have happened through through many of uh, the ins, the inspired mm-hmm. movies that that you know the the ones that inspired George you know to make Star Wars in the first place. So uh, it, there's so many kind of levels of of yeah, depth so to the true. fight there. And Dave, yeah, Dave kind of talked about this at one point, where he said when he was explaining this fight specifically, he talks about these. You, the old samurai, you know, they're they're not as, as capable as they once were as far as like physical like prowess, but they're very wizened and experienced where they don't need a lot of attack or strength or agility. The whole fight is done in one or two moves and that's mm-hmm. it because they're all just so talented and they've honed their skills so much. Yeah. And I, Dave said he really wanted to emphasize that. And you can kind of see that in Obi-Wan's face a little bit where he, you know, defaults to his regular attack. And then he takes a moment to think about the situation and his enemy and he adjusts his, his fighting style 
according to the person he's who he's fighting. Yeah. So instead, of what he's comfortable with, he actually switches, and you can you can, once you you realize what's going on, you realize he switches to that stance to goad Maul in because. If Maul just reacts the way uh, he's been trained to without thinking about what Obi-Wan's doing, he's going to go to that first attack that he used on Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what he did, yeah. which was played directly into what Obi-Wan was setting up and gets rid of him in one shot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's like, it's like Dave said, like these fights whether they're super epic or not, I mean, like they, they have to mean something. Right. And that's always kind of what makes a good fight is like a, a, a reason behind the fight. And so one of the things I love about how they're facing off the way that they do is that, uh, is that Maul goes to kill Obi-Wan in, in an artful fashion uh, as to, for his own satisfaction, knowing that he killed Obi-Wan the same way that he killed Obi-Wan's master. And this is the exact same mentality that Anakin has yeah. when he goes to attack Obi-Wan on Mustafar. He thinks that he can do better than what Obi-Wan did to kill Maul uh, back in Phantom Menace. And so Anakin gets, you know, Obi-Wan gets the better of him in the sense that he's actually not as powerful as he thinks he is. But Anakin thinks he can actually pull off what Obi-Wan did and and flip over his enemy to, to take out Obi-Wan the same way that Obi-Wan's... Uh, you know, big kind of moment happened, yeah. But he fails at it, and just the same way that Maul fails in this moment as well. Is like, it seems to me that anytime someone thinks they can get the better of Obi Wan, they they don't they don't make it happen, uh, or Obi Wan doesn't doesn't let it happen. Yeah. So, um, that's that's something else. He's always one move ahead. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's something else that I love. And you know, the fastest the, the fastest check checker or uh, chess games. I mean, I just watched the Queen's Gambit, excellent series, and uh, I found like you know, chess is like a battle between two opponents, right? And and it's like it's not exactly like a samurai fight, but the concept is the same. It's like you're fighting somebody with a strategy, and they have they have a certain you know artful way of going about that. Uh, but the most skillful players can defeat their opponent very quickly, and and it doesn't, you know, the the most grand epic fights, you know, doesn't. It's not going to mean that that chess battle is going to last like a long time. Like sometimes, if one person is much better than the other, it's just gonna just gonna go quick, right? And in the same way that this lightsaber duel, it's like they're both really good, but they both know each other so well, and they both like have uh, an idea as to like how the other person fights. But Obi Wan is just better. And so he just, yeah. he just, you know, cleans house like as quickly as, as, uh, as Maul allows him to by, by going forward with his plan of, of, uh, uh, trying to kill him the way he did with Qui-Gon. But I always found it was really interesting. Just the whole, the way the fight plays out is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. And something that kind of dawned on me now, as we're talking about this is, there's another layer to it that Dave did, and he he managed to split the gap or like fill in the blank between the Obi Wan we know from Revenge of the Sith with his fancy flips and you know quick attacks to the Obi Wan we know from A New Hope, where he's kind of this feeble like feeble old man, mm. which just like de- it looks like he's desperately holding off Darth Vader, right, barely moving this lightsaber yeah. around. And we kind of get this, the Obi-Wan now, as we're learning that 
in the, this episode of Rebels where he fights Maul, it's more, it's not that he's old and he's feeble. It's that he's wizened and his, his strikes and his blocks are more acute, right? He doesn't need to move as much. Yeah. yeah. Because the, he's just more experienced of a fighter. He's probably been practicing this whole time while he's been on pal on Palpatine, on Tatooine. <laughs> right. Slip the tongue there. <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't need the crazy acrobatics that he once did. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's it's amazing how these animated shows can do that just like take a character and fill in the gaps uh so to speak because yeah it's a very different kind of obi-wan from season from episode three to episode four it's it's like it's like wow what happened yeah there's a huge difference yeah, yeah. and I, a lot of people say that he's just old now right but we see yoda who's in revenge of sith he's like this old crippled old frog and he you know, throws his cane aside and doing backflips over to yeah. So. yeah. Well, I think he just ages better. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know. I mean, just, the idea is you you lean on the force, not your your body. Yeah, that's you no, know, it's true. Yeah, it, like that's that's kind of the whole mentality of of uh, of the Jedi and and the first place. It's just like you let the force guide you, kind of thing. Uh, so one question that kind of lingers after all this stuff, you know, Maul's dead and all that stuff. Uh, is uh, what happened to the Darksaber. A lot of people might be wondering, like, how did it end up where it did with Moff Gideon in uh, The Mandalorian? Well, uh, there's a small piece of the puzzle that kind of fits in with the rest of Star Wars Rebels, and that is uh, that Sabine actually finds it in uh, one of... Uh, in, in a cave on Dathomir uh, when, uh, when she's there. Uh, at some point during the show, they find it where where Maul stashed a lot of his belongings and stuff. And I assume that this is the same cave or same place. Of, it's part of the same. Uh, arc. Yeah, it's a it's a little actually it's a little uh, I forget if it's ahead of this episode or or at some point in the past, because Maul at this point has his yeah. cane so lightsaber. Like yeah. So. Uh, so. Yeah. So what happened was they didn't get the whole uh, the whole. Uh, vision from the two holocrons because Ezra left early. So Maul goads him into helping him uh, go to Dathomir and they try to figure out the rest of the oh, vision. Oh yeah, there's a whole Night is. Sister witch thing going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They use Night Sister magic to do it. Right. And they, they destroy the last of the Night Sisters by uh, Ezra destroys it by cutting the, the, the altar which is like a Night Sister altar in half mm. and that releases all the dark side energies of all the night sisters so now they're they're done completely right. yeah so uh no more night sisters going forward i guess um unless it's in the in the prequel era but uh but yeah it's it, it, so that's where sabine finds the the dark saber and and eventually she actually gives it to bo katan and at some point between the shows uh bo katan loses the dark saber to moff gideon which is why in the mandalorian she's fighting to try and get it back uh, and that's kind of that kind of where that last piece of the puzzle kind of fits into place. But um, I mean, what what do you think about Maul's storyline? Just like when you look at Star Wars as a whole, I mean, he's a, a, a massive part of it. But I mean, how would you, I guess, like summarize and talk about his character? And like, I'm honestly just amazed 
that so much could be brought out of a character that had two lines and less than like six minutes of screen time in an entire movie. Right. Right. Like Dave didn't have a lot to work with. And maybe that's why he was so surprised when George decided to bring him back or forced him to bring him back as he puts it. (laughs) (laughs) But it worked really well. And they brought a lot of depth to that character. And a a big part of that, it was Sam Witwer. Mm. He, he, really because he's the voice behind yeah. all he really brought a lot of a depth to that character and just you can really feel just the tragedy that's behind him and like the manipulation mm-hmm. and sam whitmer's a little too good at playing a character that's lost his mind i'm just gonna say that oh yeah when we first meet oh, yeah. all <laughs> <laughs> yeah he uh he nailed it and uh you know when i when i think when i look back at maul's character i think just how amazing Star Wars is in the sense that you have this genuine modern mythology, right? Like it's not just uh, nine movies and stuff. It's so much more. It's got comics and books to it. It's the only franchise I can think of that has as much story interwoven into the in and out of those movies uh, as, uh, you know, compared to the likes of of Harry Potter or or. Uh, uh, I mean, even uh, there's a lot like of Marvel. Uh, uh, yeah, even even Marvel. Like, I mean, like Marvel separates their their movie universe from their comics, which is not something that Star Wars does. And, and so, like, True. I, I, I get asked by uh, people who aren't very familiar with the Star Wars books and they say, oh, how are they uh, compared to the compared to the films? And, and and I think instantly they're kind of like assuming that the movies are somehow based on the books, but I'm like, no, it's a shared storyline. Like they're different. It's a different story. Like you read a Star Wars book, it's a, it's an individual thing. It has connections to the movies, it has connections to the shows, comics, whatever, but it's its own thing. You can go and read a Star Wars book and you're going to be getting a beginning, a middle and end. Right. And uh, and it has one it's one piece of this giant story. And when I look at Maul's story, it's like, yeah, he's only got two lines or so in the Phantom Menace. And yeah, he only has like 10 seconds in Solo. Uh, and, and then that's it. Like in the live action films like that. It, it, but it's amazing. Yeah, that's it for live It's action. amazing that we can sit here and talk about the character for two hours based on other stuff that he's been in. And uh, and that's kind of the idea as to like doing this whole what happened the sub-series is like, you know, just really dialing in conversation about a character uh, individually and, and talking about their whole beginning and middle and end through the story of Star Wars and through the, the Skywalker saga in general. This, this multimedia storyline. Yeah, yeah. Multimedia mm-hmm. storyline. And just literally acknowledging it for what it is of being a single solid story. Because, because uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a linear story linear timeline and uh it's it's cool to kind of look at all these other bits and pieces put the picture together and and really just kind of let it come full circle and 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 talk about it as if it was one story you know to think that all these things that we brought up it's true and it could is be so one interval yeah i mean everything we talked about could be uh could like, be its own movie series <laughs> yeah it's, it's, they touched on Oh yeah. yeah. Like it's funny because you don't realize how much everything kind of overlaps. Right. And Maul, like we pointed out, is in a total of like ten stories. Yeah. Yep. And without him 
Anakin wouldn't be the same. Ahsoka wouldn't be the same. Obi-Wan wouldn't be the same. Mandalore wouldn't be the same. Like, goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, it really does. He did a lot. The crime syndicates would, would be different. Like, he touched mm-hmm. vast swaths of the Star Wars universe. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's it's He is uh, the Phantom Menace. <laughs> that's right. Actually, that's, that's a really good point. Like, Dave Filoni really took that title and ran with it because mm-hmm. little did a Palpatine know, but he didn't create a Phantom Menace just for the Jedi, but he created a Phantom Menace for himself and his rule. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's crazy to think about, but uh, one of the season finale episodes, I think it's the second last one or the third last one, season seven of the Clone Wars is actually called the Phantom Apprentice. So uh, it's it was just a little callback to the fact that Maul is one of those menaces that that episode one was referring to. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, again, just such a crazy, crazy, like uh, cohesive storyline that 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 I love so much. And, and and I love the Phantom Menace so much for for bringing this character to Star Wars and and that uh, it's then turned into this very fruitful storyline like uh uh it endlessly i have this like appreciation for not only his character but uh but like all the forms of media that he showed up in it's just it's always been such a great great story and to end it the way they did in star wars rebels i just wish that more people had seen it uh and you know hopefully going forward with disney plus true uh you know to anyone listening and stuff as well uh, hopefully going forward with with uh uh, Disney Plus uh, available to everyone that that uh, it's it's more widely viewed. And, People start checking it yeah, out. Yeah, and that it's just not perceived as a as a kid show. I mean, like uh, Rebels Talk, honestly, uh, which is another sub series on the show I had going with Diego. It's been on a, 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 a temporary hiatus for a while because he's he's been a little discouraged by by watching the show because he just felt that it wasn't for him. And I kept saying, I'm like, dude, you did, you did Clone Wars talk. You did all of Clone Wars. Like, you know, you got to do, you got to do Rebels. And he's like, yeah, at some point I will, at some point I will. And I don't think he's ever going to round to it. So I'm going to have to talk with him again and see if, uh, see if maybe if, if he, if I get his, give him a little like, yeah, if, and if he doesn't go for it, maybe you or I will have to take a swing at doing, doing Rebels together at some point again. Cause there's, there's so much to talk about in Rebels. Sure. You have to put a pause on my watch. <laughs> Cause I've been rewatching oh, it lately. Have? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'm on season two. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think Ezra just got a haircut. Oh, perfect. Okay. Well, then we're uh, then we're in the golden age of Rebels. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a good show. There's yeah, so much. Th- exactly. There's enough to talk about in Rebels that it's it's uh, it's not a terrible show. And and honestly, there's a lot of good highlight moments in there. And you know, very prominently, Maul's death is being one of them. So, uh, anyway, that's pretty much all I got. Uh, if there's anything you want to finish off with. No, we covered we covered a lot and. I really have to just emphasize how much Dave Filoni did for this franchise. He really lifted up Star Wars when it was kind of you know down down in the in the in the dumps 
because it was the end of Revenge of the Sith. There wasn't a lot going on. A lot of the original fans that didn't uh, get the prequels they were expecting, they were pretty disheartened, maybe even lo- like leaving the franch- franchise altogether. Mm-hmm. And Dave brought those those people and new audiences together and just reignited the flame that is Star Wars fandom, honestly. Yeah. And I think a, a good example of that, as we discussed, was Maul. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Maul is a character fans really connected with and loved in Phantom Menace. And I think, uh, you know, I think George kind of knew what he was doing when he said, no, we'll bring him back. And, you know, I think I think George at that point in time, when Clone Wars was still a new thing, George was always the person that had faith in Dave Filoni to to continue it on in, in in a really fruitful way. Right. And and here we are to this day. Uh, and Dave Filoni is involved in in the live action shows and and in a more prominent lead position that a lot of us have always wanted him to be in. And so, yeah, I mean, like from both of us, like uh, you know, like big thank you to Dave for just uh, being uh, a hero to Star Wars fans uh, across the world. So uh, yeah, that. Being the glue that binds the Star Wars galaxy and fandom together. All right, thanks guys for tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod, and uh, be sure to leave a great review and uh, subscribe as well as send this show to a friend. Don't forget about the links in the description below, subscribing to the Discord, and uh, as well as shooting us an email at uh, the Escape Pod. Outlook.com. So uh, let us know what your thoughts are on, uh, of course, we have our Light of the Jedi conversation out there and about, and uh, I don't know if you guys have checked it out yet, but uh, we did a very thorough breakdown and discussion of, uh, of that book. So if you have any questions regarding the High Republic era or uh, or even questions about the book in general. If you don't plan to read it, it's the perfect uh, way to kind of get an idea for what it is. And if you do plan to read it, then just be aware we're going to be uh, talking spoilers in that episode. Keep tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod for more What Happened episodes. Of course, we're going to be doing a lot more of these. We're going to try and make them shorter, but uh, just stay tuned for those, as well as more Lightspeed episodes covering the Star Wars news and headlines from across the galaxy. A lot of news going on right now, which uh, I'm kind of saving up to talk about in the next Lightspeed, but of course, we'll get to that uh, when we get there. And uh, guys, you know this is a non-profit show. We don't collect any donations or anything like that, so uh, if you can... Please uh, feel free to give what you would to us and uh, instead use that money and donate to World Vision, which uh, the link is also in the description of this episode, and you can send that money to people who actually need it. So thanks again for being uh, such heroes on this planet Earth, for helping people tuning into this show, and as always, we'll see you next time here on Star Wars Escape Pod. May the Force be with you.